0: Revely, revely, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke
0: Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the fifth of December, you cheese-eating surrender monkeys, and it's time for morning combat hello everyone i am merely one half of your hosting duo i join you from the capital of estados unidos right here in washington dc which by the way a a tank davis presser takes place today in this very city but of course i am joined to you by my well he's not a, i'm not a new englander i'm a mid-atlantic guy but he's the he's the king of connecticut he's mr new england himself it's brian campbell hi brian campbell yeah and the house that i live in we consider new england a state here luke okay it's it's you
1: know <laughs> They're the OGs of this country in a lot of ways, but uh, great to be back at it, Luke. Monday morning, it's getting cold, it's wintertime here in the Northeast, but, you know, at least we don't live in, like, Canada or, like, Alaska or Minnesota or some absolute bullshit, right? Yeah, where it's
0: like minus five Fahrenheit yeah. when you get up in the morning. Yeah, or no
1: Philadelphia, things. where it's not only cold but it's like gross and and, and just lacks culture. No, I'm dude, Sean Brady was like, "Yo, BC, I'm about to I'm I'm about to take you to Pound Town for that, okay?" But I I respect that man too much
0: to shit on his city though. But uh, um, I, I I maintain I maintain we are sports rivals, but I I like the city of Philly, and Sean Brady is going to beat your fucking ass for shitting uh, on it, which is going to be great. Yo, all, right, um, all right all right but if, him, to... but if he
1: wanted to enter into a high court debate about philadelphia
0: i'll make sure he remembers this name all right all right very good oh you're doing a blow, muhammad bit that's that's cold bro too soon that's it's too
1: soon that's too soon that's too soon yeah that, that is,
0: is that, that is too soon we like right. sean brady here Let's i love sean way. brady he's a
1: great dude that's the thing he's like the coolest guy you know
0: he's all right he's a good dude all right but we have a lot of show to get to so we have krausgate just keeps on going we have one on Prime Video 5. We have UFC Orlando. We have the Fury Fire, the Circo Latino, or should I say the Estrada fight, considering he won. By the way, my pick's horrendous over the weekend. We'll talk about that Yeah, you'll well. be eating
1: a lot of, lot of crow directly
0: from the box, Luke. Yeah, yeah, kind of am. Hey, listen, this is the game we play. I played it, and it <laughs> blew up in my face. Got to own it. So two thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. Do be so kind as to leave us a nice review. Uh, B.C., of course, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. BC, any updates on the store? Which, of course, that mug and that hat, if you're wearing, you can get those there. I'm not sure about the shirt. No, the shirt is brought to us by our, our
1: friends over there Rally North Carolina. Nice price books and records. I mean, what a great place, Luke. You know that great song, uh, Willin' by uh, Little Feet, Luke? Nope, sure don't. Oh, well, this song is a tribute to the map that that trucker took in his 18-wheeler while, uh, you know uh ingesting those weeds whites and wine you know what i mean and avoiding the uh you know taking the back road so it doesn't get weighed you know luke tucson to tucum carry right Tehachapi to hatch tonopah I, I mean it's a classic route it's fantastic
0: you know all right well i don't care about any of that shit so who cares um <sighs> let's see we also have of course there's you can get the merch you can get um uh if i mentioned showtime.com 30-day free trial if you'd like it you can keep it if not do whatever you want to do with your life morning combat at gmail.com is the store for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong, or to otherwise reach the show. And uh, yeah, BC, we got a big week. I'm going to see you on Wednesday. We're going to be in Mohegan Sun together briefly anyway. I mean, I hear rumblings that there's a a rematch scheduled between us and the punk. You know, I was texting Big John over the weekend. Nice. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Is he prepared for this rematch or what? Uh, He was in a good mood, so I don't know if he thinks about it like a rematch, per se. Well, I got
1: no issue with Big John, but the last time we brought our award-winning podcast to try to coexist with theirs, you know, Josh thought it was like round four of the, you know, Nick Diaz fight or something. I mean, you know, or Nate Diaz, excuse me. I mean, what are we doing here, Josh? But, you know, if he wants to fight in our fighting cage, our audio fighting cage, Luke,
0: I'm here for it, all right? All right, very good. So we'll do that. And then, of course, Bellator is going to be the end of this week. And then, of course, the UFC has a big pay per view at the end of this week as well. We'll lean into that as the week progresses. But BC, we have a lot to get to today. So first oh, thing, pregame first,
1: preview. Luke, can, can you can you Ooh. flaunt that? that yes, bullshit? yes.
0: Everyone's killing us for the pronunciation of Jiri Projaska, which of course is not how you pronounce it. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't speak Czech. And by Are us, doing... they're killing you
1: for for trying to go all Sonia on calling him Yeezy the same day that the real Yeezy wore a black mask and was, you know, glorifying well, some That's evil coincidental. people. So, it's sort
0: of like a Yerzy or like a Yizzy more than a Yeezy. But even then, I don't speak Czech. Okay. I really Can we don't. just
1: do one thing collectively as an MMA media unit? Like, I respect the shit out of people like John Anik who try to get it right. And ultimately, I do believe that we should try to get it right. I also right. believe if you're somebody like Israel Adesanya and you've become a champion and become a household name with one pronunciation... And then we just, you know, Ariel just decides one day, no, guys, it's going to be this. And then Luke decides, no, it's out of groinia or something like that. It's like, no, dude, yeah, can we Atagreña. all just, can we all just, you know, Americanize the names here and call him Yuri Prohatska? I mean, that's good enough. I used to call him Jerry, so it's good enough. Yuri Prohatska is good enough. I don't need you bringing Yeezy on me. I don't need you ruining Alexa's last name anymore, Luke. I just need us to just get uniform. In one thing that we can all pronounce, okay? Because, Luke, I can't roll R's. I really can't do much with my mouth, to be fair, Luke. You, you know can't roll you, your R? You can ask the women in the history of my life. Um, no, I can't roll R's, no. You can't
0: say carro? You can't do that? No, no look, I'm, I'm from a factory town from French roots. We don't do stuff like that, okay? All right, well, yes. Listen, uh, the problem with trying to get the names right, if you don't have a very clear sense of it, is that when you try to get it right? If you don't have someone like kind of guiding you who can really help you, you end up like the, the, there's a certain nobility in attempting, but you just come off like a goofball if you don't get it right. And the chances of not getting it right are high without that. So you I mean, do your best. But I will say this, BC, the, uh, Sir Honorable Charles Mindenhall, Iceman yes. himself, he did a great job. If for no other reason, they should watch it for that.
1: Yeah, well, he's the balance between our, our ridiculi Luke. The, so that's it's perfect when the old man in the hat comes around. So check out pregame preview, youtube.com slash morning combat. Who knows? You may find some surprises on there, okay? That's all i got to say about
0: that. Very good. Uh, BC, I want to remind everyone about ShipStation. As you know, Christmas is coming. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Forget Thanksgiving. And it can also be, however, the most hectic time of the year. If you're anything like me, BC, you put off shopping until the last minute.
1: And, Luke, if you're like us in... RJ Gangbanger and you have an online store, you know that feeling of getting hit with a ton of orders all at once when you're buried in orders and emails from stressed customers. I'm telling you right now, you're going to wish you had ShipStation.
0: That's right. ShipStation turns holiday ship storms into smooth sailing so you can keep your customers happy and still find time to enjoy some eggnog. And look, the
1: holidays can get stressful, but they're not supposed to be. So how about you use ShipStation station? To help you relieve that stress. Luke, I like to avoid extra holiday stress by getting on top of the shipping processes I need for my relatives before the season gets too crazy. I don't do that naturally, but I got a wife who's on top of things. But now I also have ShipStation. And Luke, I don't have to feel overwhelmed anymore. I can feel reassured that whether I'm talking about customers getting their orders in time for MorningCombat.store or my parents getting their Christmas gifts from me, I'm not going to wait to the last minute like I normally do and then enter into that deep, dark winter depression.
0: It's certainly way better than using the default shipping option for online stores. I know that. Those always take up time to deal with unnecessary hassles. With ShipStation, you are able to manage every order from one single dashboard, automate routine shipping tasks, print shipping labels, that's big, and easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize every single shipment. You know, Luke, it's
1: funny you say that, because with enterprise solutions that make warehouse optimization easy, ShipStation scales when you do, so there are no limitations
0: on your growth opportunities. ShipStation has a free trial and a quick setup. If you've been on the fence about trying it, no better time than right now. Yeah, Luke,
1: and hold on a second. I got a a visitor here, Zoe the Cat. And, Luke, you know, one of the best parts of ShipStation is that it works with all your favorite places to sell online, including Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, and so much more. Luke, you know this
0: cat will kill me if I hold her stomach any longer, Luke. Yo, that cat is about to just shred your face like goddamn Master Shredder up in this. Uh, one of the best parts, of course, as you mentioned, it works all those places. No one wants to think too hard during the holidays. Luckily, ShipStation is a no-brainer. You save money, time, stress, and everything else during the holiday rush. And when you sign up using our promo code BC, you get two months to, to try it for free.
1: Yeah, so why don't you, MK Viewer, during this holiday season, which can get crazy, why don't you give yourself the gift of stress-fee holiday shipping. Use our promo code MORNINGCOMBAT today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. You can tell us at the end of the line, is it the best 60 days of your life?
0: I got a feeling it will be. All right. ShipStation.com, promo code Morning Combat. Now, BC, we have a top five rundown. Let's very quickly, though, before we get to everything that happened on the weekend, let's talk about some news that broke after Friday's show. Of course, it couldn't break during or before. It had to break afterwards. But here we are on Monday reacting to it. So we all knew the story about James Krause, that New Jersey had, uh, their gaming commission had essentially told all the bettors in the state to ignore or not put bets or accept any bets where Krause was a fighter, coach, corner, you name it. And then, this was big, Ontario, the entire province in Canada, about 15 million people, I believe, told uh, the same thing to its betters there, no accepting or betting on any UFC bets altogether. And then on Friday, this is the new news, the Alberta Gaming, Liquor, and Cannabis Government Agency basically did the exact same thing. I looked at the population in BC, and it was about 5 million. So you have about 20 million Canadians who, who can't bet. You might be asking, how many Canadians are there? I believe Canada is about 33, 35 million people. So the vast majority of Canada is not allowed now to place bets on UFC action. On top of that, and this is the big part, BC, the UFC has basically said now, pending an investigation, in other words, they could reverse this in the future, we'll have to see, but as it stands right now, if you're at all training and involved with James Krause, Yeah, you can't be fighting here. They're not going to allow it. Here, of course, is the quote. I'll pitch it to you after this, BC. Quote from UFC, from Hunter Campbell, their chief business officer. UFC has since advised Krause and the respective managers working with impacted fighters, those working with him at Glory, MMA, and Fitness, that effective immediately... Fighters who choose to continue to be coached by Krauss or who continue to train in his gym will not be permitted to participate in UFC events pending the outcome of the aforementioned government investigations. Further, UFC has released Derek Miner from the organization. BC, your reaction? Look, we said this had the potential to be
1: very big, to get very messy for those involved. And given that this is the first really major scandalish moment of any kind after this level of all in embracing of betting from the UFC, from the networks, from everybody, whoever was going to go down first was going to get the the Pete Rose, Joe Jackson treatment. They were going to get scapegoated. They were potentially going to get, you know, taught a lesson. Look, it seems very much we are on that way. Men are getting cut, as you mentioned. Uh, Krause basically in a position right now pending, you know, we, we obviously want to give him the chance through this investigation, whatever, you know, plays out afterwards to have his say and give his side of the story. But where we are right now in the investigation, they're basically removing him from the sport. That's the direction this appears to be headed. And that is super serious. I mean, you want to talk about immediate fallout. Where does Brandon Moreno, the interim flyweight champion, go from here after recently joining camps there? You know, you're asking a lot of people to restart their lives and careers. And you're going to see a few of them ending it here because of how serious this is. I mean, this feels just like the beginning. I haven't heard from Jay Paquette at all to see if Nova Scotia or or Mount Unike in particular is going to adopt those same sanctionings. But, look, this is just the beginning. You have that feeling. New Jersey making a bold move in the States and once... Look, UFC, you cannot say it enough. UFC, ESPN, Disney, DraftKey... I mean, everybody that's, like, associated remotely with this are just going to push them, whoever is involved, away and, and be as PNG to them as possible if Kraus doesn't have a good excuse here, and at this point where, where we're at, you know, I, I fear for him and his future, uh, he's going to go down hard from this, Luke. And and you can say justifiably, I guess, but uh, UFC putting in those sanctions to not allow fighters and their team members to bet was a smart move. And I think now we're we're sweeping out the mess that, that has come from after that. But uh, is there any, you know, port in the storm here for Krauss and company, Luke, or anyone involved in this? It seems like they're going down hard.
0: Well, we have to see. We don't know what the investigations are going to yield. In other words, uh, again, let me just imagine a scenario because do BC and I know what James Krause did or did not do? We do not know. We don't know. We don't have any information, privileged or otherwise, about what the government has found or hasn't found. But in theory, let's imagine that he was involved in fight fixing, again, as a theoretical idea. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about banishment from the sport for life, and everyone associated with him will go down with it. On the other hand, if he was just using privileged information to bet he could also be excommunicated but that remains a little bit less clear that's not a, that's a bad thing it's a real bad thing with regulators but that's not nearly as bad as the potential other alternative so and by the way if he didn't even do that then then this is all just sort of a temporary bump in the road and he'll be back to normal i don't think we're going to get back to normal with him but that could be that two of the things that you should consider by the way dead wronging myself canada not 33 or 35 million 38 million and still, we're still talking about 20 million Canadians, though, who can't bet on UFC. So still, over half of all Canadians cannot bet on UFC uh, action. Do you think 90%
1: of Canadians live within 60 miles of the U.S. border, Luke? Probably, right?
0: Something like, yeah, there's not many who live remotely in, you know, British Columbia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or but... none of
1: a, none of a, yeah,
0: the name says it all. There ain't none uh, But what there, There's two points, we'll quickly we see that we want to consider, and we'll get to the, the weekend's action. Two points to consider, number one Right here's kind of the issue it relates back to these injury reports now we talked about for example when TJ Dillashaw fought at UFC 280 he and his team were very 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 good about, at least about concealing it not that wasn't a good thing for other reasons but at least as it related to betting nothing was abnormal there at all and so you, you can imagine scenarios where it's no big deal fighters routinely come in injured and then disguise it from medical staff but to the extent that anyone else who is not in control of this process gets information the UFC doesn't doesn't, like For example, in the NFL, all of the people who work, like the trainers and all of the, the staff and everyone else on these teams, they're all employees. They can be very tightly controlled. There's a lot of just sort of ancillary outside, I should say auxiliary players here that the UFC cannot control. And that creates some problems long term. I don't really know how they're going to fix it. And then, of course, the other issue is just with considering the injury and anyone else in close succession getting information and it also affecting betting lines. How does the UFC fix this problem? We articulated that something like that on friday dude it's not easy this is a very difficult problem i think for ufc to solve i'm sure they're working very hard with the regulators to make sure this goes away it's a bit of a black eye for them but nevertheless just the way in which the sport is constructed based off this independent contractor model it makes control that they need throughout the process that other sports leagues enjoy by virtue of employee versus independent contractor scenarios the ufc doesn't enjoy that and so how do you control that top-down process without it I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to see. Here's what they how you do.
1: control it, Luke. You control it with fear. Meaning, you nailed it. If Krauss is involved in actual fight fixing, like it's over for him. But I think even if it's just privileged information, or maybe being a little bit too. I don't know, like, he's been very open about it. I know the interview clips that make the rounds when he when he was on Ariel's show, what was it, 2019, I think was the most recent time when he talked at length. You know, it was a couple of years ago, but it's still relevant and close enough where he's mentioning, you know, I make far more money betting on UFC than I do coaching or than I did fighting. He also said he trained under a longtime successful MMA gambler who's been uh, banned by all the casinos because of the success he has. Like, all these things I think are going to come back to haunt, James, where even if it's short of fight fixing, I still feel like he's going to take the hit aggressively to the full extent of the law so that it sets a precedence. Because you just made a great point. Well, you know, they're not employees. They're contracts. So how can you have it both ways for UFC? I think they're going to instill the fear through the sanctions and punishments that get handed out for those involved. And by the way, Minner just got canned. So I think mm-hmm. that has to tell you that there's something wrong here. Because if there was a justifiable upfront explanation for the way that fight went down... You know, I don't know if he's getting let go and, and dropped from the company and dropped from the rankings. This is seems pretty damning. You have to come down extra hard on whoever's remotely involved so that it's a message sent to fighters, managers, agents, coaches, whoever it, auxiliary that are involved in the periphery of this uh, sport who have access to this knowledge, that if you um, publicly are showing that you're using that to great success betting, including the levels of a Discord and being very outspoken like, like Kraus was and having a podcast about betting and all that. They're going to, they're going to want to cut those relationships and get you out of that right now, because that, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't know at the end of the day in this situation, if there was true impropriety, I don't actually know, but it would behoove the UFC to make sure that it never happens again by acting like there was with whatever information they have and building a wall right now, right? Right in front of them and saying, you even are are rumored to be caught up in this moving forward. You're going to have issues. I think that's the best way to do it without, you know, this whole debate of employee versus contractor. And I may sound very pro-company here, but look, they have to be as, as... as aggressive as possible, because as you so you know rightfully indicated on Friday's show when we were sort of talking about you know this is financially bad for the UFC, but at the end of the day, if there is you know concern impropriety, that's going to be the biggest hit that they can take. They need to stomp stomp that out. So look seriously, anyone involved, I, I, I'm telling you right now, they're going down hard, Luke. They're going down yeah, hard. But in- my
0: only response to the minor news, people are like, oh, there must be something. Not necessarily. I think you kind of indicated with the way you explained it there, BC. Let me just echo that. Like them cutting Derek Minner to me does not, I mean, of course it could mean that they've already found something and then they got rid of him for it. But that of course is on the table. But to me, even if they haven't found anything, just the fact that already this has caused this net effect, he's, he's damaged goods to them. They they were just like, no, no, like you're, first of all, we're just going to take out, we're going to cut out any part of this equation that is even remotely involved at all. Whether he's innocent or not, you're already under suspicion that suspicion will never really truly fully go away goodbye right goodbye so he could be totally innocent here I want to I want to point that out but it doesn't really matter because once there there is the appearance of impropriety it's very very hard to undo that and by the way we'll have to see if other promotions even want to sign him going forward that's the other problem too like James Krauss is in a hard way Derek Minner's in a hard way by even at a bare minimum at a bare minimum the mere appearance of impropriety so right and, sh- and look again see. if Krauss fixed the fight
1: Dude, he'll get what's coming to him. But even if he technically didn't do anything wrong, he's in a potential position to have to get an entirely new career when his entire life, it seems, was building up to to being where he is now. Talented ex-fighter, successful coach, has a presence, you know, podcasting-wise in the sport and all that. I mean, that's tough. But Luke, what is UFC's history when things don't really, you know— they got the fuck rid of paul daly even if that was justified or not right they've they've dropped journalists left and right whenever there were situations uh you know i mean look at even at helwani in 199 and how that played out um it, it, they don't mess around and keep people close that they got suspicions about so um either way Luke, they're going to have to make a big statement on how they how they adjudicate this is that be would that be the right word cuz i did feel a little classy saying that
0: adjudicate yeah but i don't know what like being shitty to the media has to do with that
1: I'm saying the UFC in history uh, just shuts shuts people down. Fighters who they thought were tied up in something, you're gone.
0: Miguel, you know, Miguel Torres, you're gone. They don't want, I mean, again, everyone thinks this is about financial transactions, and it is. That's obviously a big part of it. But the real story here is that regulators in Canada are saying they can't trust whether UFC fights aren't fixed. That's what they're basically saying. They don't know if the product is legitimate, and therefore they're banning certain folks. Obviously, uh, 20 million Canadians, basically from taking uh bets on this so that's the issue but
1: yeah uh, but it's probably like it's probably who are we banning really like braunstetter and a couple of retired hockey players luke you know <laughs>
0: the, okay, probably a couple of retired hockey players for sure all right with that out of the way let's get to our top five here speaking of the weekend's action we start as we customarily do with the ufc they returned with a big crowd in orlando florida in your main event stephen Wonderboy thompson had a little trouble early Definitely got his shit rocked early, however, persevered over time. He stops Kevin Holland, or should I say, there was a weird issue with Mergliata, but that didn't affect it. The fight continues. However, between the fourth and fifth rounds, uh, the corner of Kevin Holland basically stopping the fight there because he appeared to have a broken right hand. BC, the question is this. Did this fight prove that uh, Wonderboy Thompson is still a viable top Walter Wake contender? In the right
1: matchup, yes. And I think that has to be said because first and foremost, what he did a couple months shy of forty, the effort, the energy he put out, the speed and reaction time he still had, and his willingness to exchange in in, you know, a fight of the year contender to be fair. Although I think the, the final two rounds of this fight weren't anywhere comparative to how good the first two rounds were. Yeah, in the right matchup. So I think this is a weird crossroads spot for Th- Thompson, meaning one of the angles we played up heading into it during Friday's show was you know Wonderboy still believes he's in the title picture and that he can put wins together and get there. But Luke, I really want to counter that. I-, I think he should change his model completely, and you can argue he already has. In the post-fight, who was he talking about potentially fighting? Conor McGregor. I mean, he was making sort of smart proclamations out there to the UFC in in sort of, you know, nice guy hidden terms, which is this, if you put me against Bilal Muhammad or Gilbert, like you did my last two fights, you know, I could lose a clean decision and kind of get handled by that. So in that regard, Luke, I really don't think he's still in the overall title picture or could change his recent rate of success, but his willingness to fight such an action-friendly fight and look, he's always a, you know, such an affable, lovable guy and, and, and all that. Uh, I think he showed you that if he's truly in that late twilight, fun, fight, other legends portion of his career, he can make a lot of money in the short term if he's willing to kind of adopt some of this Michael Chandler style. Now, he's not as reckless as Michael Chandler, but if you put him in matchups where guys are not going to take it to the ground, which this one quickly became that, especially after uh, Holland you know, basically walked away after taking Thompson down that first time and they laughed about it that Thompson still has a lot left. He has more left than you and I thought coming into this fight, I believe. And it's impressive, and it's fun, and there is no shortage in the greater BMF landscape of fun fights across multiple divisions for him. But I do not believe, even with the resurgent feeling of this performance, that he's still in the overall title picture. Do you think that's fair, Luke?
0: I think that's pretty fair. I mean, you mentioned that, Holland got up off of him when he eventually, uh, sort of like fell on top of him in this kind of weird scramble. He didn't do it just once. He did it twice. Two times he ended up on top just by virtue of tripping and falling or whatever, could have had the or the moment there on top and both times neglected to use it. Like we talk about, I mean, Michael Bisping got gotten a bit of controversy because he was decrying the fight IQ of Kevin Holland. It's not to say that Kevin Holland doesn't have good fight IQ when he wants to employ it, but you can't say he was employing it here. He had no. his opponent who like, probably is not much of a threat off of his back, and Holland just let him up two different times when his opponent is much better than him, or at least certainly very capable on the feet relative to him uh, than on the ground. So like there are, there are legitimate issues there. But I agree with you. I think he's still very fast. He's still very capable in the right matchup. Sure, he can beat good guys. Some folks are talking about maybe a fight again with Jorge Masvidal, although if you watch the first one, Wonder Boy wins that one pretty cleanly. It wasn't very competitive. However, who's to say about a second one? We could see. But I don't get the sense, because it wasn't really tested here, and we already kind of have the answer, when he's fighting the Bilal Muhammad's, or if he fought a Hamzat Shemaev, or somebody else who can really take it to the ground, or Gilbert Absolutely. Burns, or whatever. There's, I, I just don't see any way he's going to beat those guys. But me- are there other guys he could beat? Of course. Last thing I'm going to say, BC, is, however, there's one more thing we should keep in mind, and I'm not trying to diminish the win. It was a great win. Fans loved it. Wonder Boy looked great but it was number six versus unranked, right? So Wonderboy got a win, technically speaking, over a guy we like, but came into this fight unranked.
1: But let's be fair, under, Thompson seemed to be ranked too high coming in. Holland seemed yes, to be yes. kind of getting jobbed by not being ranked at all. I'll get to Holland in a second, but what two point quick points I want to make off of what you said is, to be fair, that lost uh against Thompson which was completely one sided was was the fight that led Jorge to the wilderness if I'm not uh, mistaken here that was sort of like the, yes. the the boiling over frustration point of like what am I doing and in that fight you know he was following Wonder Boy around and getting caught in traps in reaction in relation to a potential rematch between the two I feel like Wonder Boy was going out of his way to show everybody with the way that he fought which was perfectly helped by some things that Holland didn't do as an advertisement that he's willing to be that fun name action fighter if you give him the chance to do that. And if you give him the type of matchmaking that a guy in his spot, former title challenger, very well respected, but yet still has a lot left in the tank can produce. So I think the idea of him and Masvidal a second time, you I don't even think about the first fight in that regard. I think it'll be what it'll be, which is Thompson trying to make a fun fight on the feet. But Luke, you brought up Bisping's harsh comments regarding Kevin Holland. And I think the reason why this ended up playing out the way it did was basically exactly what Michael Bisping was saying, Luke. And I felt it watching it live. What the heck's Kevin Holland doing? And this is the same night where I had legitimate concerns about the matchmaking decisions and the timing for Tai Tuivasa, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, for, for Kevin Holland, it's not the matchmaking opportunities. It's the style he employed. I get wanting to play up and be that guy and make an action fight and being like, hey, we're in this. We're having fun. We're talking to each other. We respect each other. Let's go after it. But there became a point where Holland was consistently on the losing end of these exchanges. I know that's hard for a guy to take when it's Holland who has big power, and there were times early where he was hurting Wonderboy, and you wondered if he was you know, on his way to a knockout. But in rounds three and four, it started to become clear that he was just getting beaten down and taking way too much punishment and constantly absorbing the type of punishment that usually gets guys finished, yet wasn't trying to adapt his game plan or style I'm not saying it's easy in a firefight to do that. He had an injured hand. There's a lot going on there. But for him to never shoot, and what do we say come in? And I said for Kevin Holland, if you get caught in the Wonderboy traps, he still may have enough left in the tank to outpoint you if you let him on those terms. You know, I don't know if this was Kevin Holland's plan. I don't know if he had a plan. I don't know if he just got in there and just fell in love with the fun direction that this was going and figured, look, late, I'm going to beat him with my power. But he woefully miscalculated a few different things for him not being willing to take the fight to the ground where there seemed to be an Avenue where he could gain some control or gain some time off after taking huge shots or what have you considering other fighters had done the exact same thing to him, Derek Brunson, Vittori, and sort of controlled him and exposed him. Chemayev in the last fight. I think that's a big fail on which direction right now Kevin Holland is actually going. And when you add in his retirement talk and his sort of unhappiness even before the fight happened with the potential rewards he was going to get by fighting Hamzan in short notice, I think Kevin Holland's going to have to take a long look in the mirror at what am I fighting for? What direction am I really going? And I'm not saying like you can't be a Vasa or a Derek Lewis and be open and say, nah, bro, I'm here for the money. I don't care about all your spoils and fame and royalty. But you need to be the biggest advocate of your own career at the end of the day. And I think too many guys are just like, F it, man, I'm the, old, I'm the new cowboy and the UFC will take care of me. And even if they do, quote-unquote, take care of you by certain favorable matchups or by m- extra money here and there, is that the best use of your career to to maximize it, what you're looking for? If Kevin Holland is just here to have a good time, then party on, dude. But if he's not, Luke, he's not maximizing the, the, the skill set and the hard work that he's put in to get to this point.
0: I think you got to ask, and of course we don't know the answer to what I'm about to ask, but if it is worth asking, like, why would Holland fight that way? I mean, our own, our own uh, producer uh, on the chat here is reminding us, of course, we said this on Friday, but, you know, Kevin Holland's not just a black belt. He's a Travis Luter black belt. Like, like dude, Luter doesn't hand those out, man. Like, that that's hard to earn, and he's got it, and he didn't use it at all. So, like, the question you have to ask yourself is why does Kevin Holland fight this way? And you could say, well, he just wants to have fun and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, dude, you got to remember something, man. You do this for a career and you do it long enough. Now, maybe he won't do it long enough, but if you do, it's going to change you. It's going to change the way your forties and your sixties look. If you even make it that long, you're taking brain damage. You're taking orthopedic kind of damage. It's going to have a long-term effect. If you want to make the most of this, you, you gotta, you gotta fight in a way that maximizes the opportunity, not necessarily every single time of every single moment, but in general, and letting up an opponent who has a noted weakness on the ground twice doesn't speak to that. So does, does, Does Kevin Holland, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm not suggesting I do, but it is worth asking, why does Kevin Holland fight this way? Part of it could be that he just doesn't believe he actually can be a champion, so why bother putting yourself through the rigors of getting to that place on that path, which is much more difficult and arduous and requires more out of you, versus training very hard and fighting very hard? I mean, there can be no question about his heart. By the way, his chin is just absurd, right? You can say that. And he's got some pop. He hurt Wonder Boy. But it looks to me like there's some internal questions that are happening about how much he actually likes this, on in what ways he actually likes this. Like, I don't I don't like training this way. I don't like fighting this way. I only like this way. And that's fine. But the rewards for fighting this way, if you do want to fight that way, they are much narrower. They are much slimmer. Yeah. They are much harder to come by. The rewards beyond that are the very significant, lasting ones. You're making a choice to fight this way. Your record's going to speak to it, and in the end, your body and your pocketbook are going to speak to it as well. It's an interesting tradeoff. I don't know I don't know if it makes a lot of sense.
1: No, I mean, it's hard because we want these type of fights. We That fight was so much fun. I saw a lot of people tweeting, you know, fight of the year, contender. This feels old school. This is wild. It shouldn't have been that good in many ways. And, and it's like I hate coming down on Kevin Holland for wanting to be that guy. But sometimes you become that guy when you have figured out you can't be anyone but that right. guy. I'm not sure Kevin Holland has taken that full swing. And, Luke, mindset is important. We found out sort of after the fact, now looking back, that Stephen Thompson had something to prove in this fight. And he proved it. I don't know what Kevin Holland's true mindset was. If he was talking a lot, you know, he was talking more about, if I win this fight and Hamzat still gets a middleweight title fight, I'm quitting. You know, it seemed like he was in a in the wrong type of mindset and, it, and sort of acted out on that and maybe the the least opportune way or, but you know, Luke, he's the one in there who was landing big shots and maybe he felt he was one away from doing that to Thompson, but man, there came a point in that fight where it looked like he was, he was drifting and he was drifting quickly. and, and, you know, that's that's when I need you to bounce back and be smart and safe and take a look at the situation, you know, figure out the score in your head and try to figure out what you need to do to win. And I don't think anybody would have been mad at him if that led to a, a succession of takedowns and some ground and pound. But you live and you learn, Luke. He's in a precarious spot now with two consecutive de- defeats. Still a fun name, still a great reputation, but he's going to have to earn his way back into these type of matchups now.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And again, it's just a weird thing. It's like... You can say, Oh, I want to fight Wonder Boy on the feet. And again, he rocked him in the first, although he was just, I mean, it was amazing, dude. Holland's game plan was just to march into to Wonder Boy, eat shots, and hope he could deliver some back. And in the first round, he could. But this is the other part, too. It's like, I'm not going to go for the takedown. Okay, fair enough. But you ended up on top twice. Twi- twice. And we know he's got heavy punches. So I would imagine he's got some pretty good ground to pound. And he didn't even use it. I get it's one thing to say, I'm not even going to hunt the takedown. But if it's fucking, it just it just literally falls underneath you, Jesus, and you just let him up twice. Like you're that—that's a weird, weird choice for a more premium kind of fighter to make. And I think it speaks to something internally about his commitment to this and everything else. I don't know that for a fact, but it certainly raises my mind about it. I have to say. Uh, all right, BC. Uh, we, had, we talked about the Michael Bisping thing, so let's go to point number two. Now, I realize that RDA was in the co-main event. We'll circle back to that in a minute. I want to talk about the fights that we mostly focused on on Friday, the ones that really we really uh, cared about. Okay, so I was wrong about the first fight, although you did see Holland rock him a little bit. There was a little something to what I had said. This one, way wrong, way, way, way wrong. Taito Ivasa gets absolutely bulldozed by Sergei Pavlovich, wasn't even close for two seconds, although it did get a little hairy in certain spots. BC, here is the question. Did Tuivasa come back too early, or is Sergei Pavlovich terribly underrated? Uh, to be fair,
1: both. But I do think it's still a little bit more of the former, meaning I question Ty Tuivasa's judgment. I mean, this wasn't exactly Michael Bisping on medical suspension with the state of New York, after losing his middleweight title to GSP and getting beaten up and submitted, put to sleep, you know, then fighting Kelvin Gastelum in China in like a week and a half notice just for a payday. And he went in there, he tried, he got knocked the hell out. But it wasn't that far from that, Luke. And, you know, that may have been the result no matter what, because uh, he fought a fighter who we weren't quite sure. But then when you package this performance with all the other performances, yeah, Sergei Pavlovich, is coming the hell on. He's big, he's strong, his intentions are mean, and his execution and willingness to to go in the pocket and do that, damn. I mean, look, he didn't really land that many punches, and did you see Tuivasa's face afterwards? It was carnage. So there is an element there that no matter what, that could have been the result. But, dude, this is not tied to Tuivasa putting his career, in terms of decision-making, first in terms of long-term and he's talking about he just wanted to get this fight done and grab the payday and go enjoy the holidays with his son and buy a six-year-old son gifts and you know i'm all for that by the way but dude you, you you can't live for today all the time it's i get that that's his default style that's what makes him fun that's what makes him dangerous that's why we love him what did he really even have to gain here i mean that he was ranked one spot higher than, the, you know, if he wins this fight, he's probably in the same spot more or less than he was coming off the loss to Gone, which was, he shouldn't have been in that fight. He found his way in. It was exciting as hell. He showed that he's got this ridiculous superpower that now we must protect if we are Tuivasa's management, if we are even the UFC and its matchmakers. Because when I made that comment about, hey, if John Jones can't come back against Ngannou for the title or Stipe... Why not make a heavyweight debut against Tui Vasa? For for him to even be in that conversation, for me to say that and actually be like, that might be a smart idea, shows you that for as long as this lasts, meaning it's hard to keep this type of lifestyle in and out of the cage and stay relevant against ranked fighters. But as long as he can lean on this superpower, he could make some very fun fights and make some memorable long-term moments. And most importantly for him and his six-year-old son, Make a shit ton of money in doing it. This felt like so high risk for little reward. And I know it was, let me get this this last fight in so then I can go take a long time off and rest. But, you know, I don't begrudge anybody, Luke, who, who has a chance at a bag and they and they go after it. I also don't begrudge anybody who's just like, this is how I operate. But how you operate may have just set you back for a while because it was another somewhat, I don't want to say unnecessary, but it was a, another short-term huge damage and, you know, maybe protecting that brand a little more coming off of that performance against Gone could have made fighting guys in the top 10 to try to improve your ranking no longer your game plan, which means from here on out, it could have been, what other heavyweight can I go in there and make war with in a main event? Or could I become a sleepy title contender just by being relevant and having given guys really hard fights and, and packaging wins here and there? This felt like Bad calculus in terms of what might what could potentially happen. And it just so happens that it was worst case scenario. So I get to do the I told you so. But I don't want to, Luke, because Tui Vasa, with all that drinking out of spit shoes aside, showed me something against Cyril Gunn that that, like, damn man. He shouldn't have been in that fight. That shouldn't have happened. He made it happen, Luke. He's special. It's not gonna last long, but he's special and he's fun as shit. And I wish the UFC would would control that element of the matchmaking a little differently and say, nah, him against no, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Let's just wait him, let him cool off, take a couple months off, and then we'll do something. Well, you can still do that, but now he just got sent to hell again. So, all right, what so do I know? So if you,
0: if you watch the replays, especially there was a couple of big flurries that hurt Tuivasa on the second of them, you can watch it in slow motion. They show the replay, and what you see is that you see Tuivasa kind of cock back with his right hand, and as soon as he does that, before he can even come forward, you see Pavlovich go right down the middle with a shot on that same side. He went with his own left as Tuivasa was coming with the right. Why do I bring this up? Because he had game planned for him. And they had a, They knew he was going to swing wide, put a linear shot down the middle. You can block anything that comes up on top of it. In other words, Pavlovich had game plan for Tuivasa. I didn't see any evidence that Tuivasa game planned for Pavlovich. Not, not very much anyway, not in any kind of serious way that got going and I realized that once he got hit with a big shot for a lot of fighters that's out the window but Pavlovich had a plan and he executed it and it worked you got to give him credit for it even if you want to say and I do by the way I echo everything you're saying about Tuivasa. but let's focus on Pavlovich as well in this conversation, BC, because it's a guy who I've just, I've been saying, I can't quite tell how good he is because, you know, he beat Derek Lewis before this, but Derek Lewis, we don't know where he's at in his career. And the other wins have been nice, Maurice Green and, and Shamil abdul but those guys aren't the level of these guys we're talking about here, but there's a piece of this equation that's missing. And I also talk about the fact that he made his debut against Overeem and he got bludgeoned, which he did. I rewatched that fight to see what's up. He was 26 when he fought Overeem. It was his UFC debut he lost three years. He fought Maurice Green in, I think, October of 2019. He didn't fight again until this year. He missed all that time. He was supposed to fight Cyril Gahn in August of 2020. That fight fell apart. He was supposed to fight Tom Aspinall in September of 2021. That fight fell apart. He was supposed to fight Tanner Bosser in January, excuse me, in December of 2021, and that fight fell apart. He lost 27, 28, 29 in terms of his years uh, uh, on his birth certificate to be competing in the octagon. In that time, however, he clearly, clearly got better for 30 years old. You're uh, wet behind the ears and young at heavyweight. And to me, dude, his hand speed, his boxing, his combinations, they are a problem. I still have some questions over the long term about how he looks because we just don't know. We haven't seen him taken into deep waters with really any of these guys. He beat Abdur in round one, Derek Lewis, round one, Tuivasa, round one, Maurice Green, round one, Marcelo Gallm, round one. We don't know what he looks like in rounds three, four, and five if he were to fight a gun or somebody else. BC. But I'm here to say is Sergei Pavlovich very, very, very good? And do we now have enough evidence to conclude that? Yes, we do. We very much have enough evidence to conclude You're damn that we right. finally have a much. Clear sense of how good he is
1: and he's six foot three and he is jacked as shit and you know we didn't even mention the two-year gap uh that that he had which leading into this calendar year that you mentioned it looked like That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do and pick up right where you left off and, you know, extend to your fifth straight first round finish. You remember Habib after the RDA fight, taking off two years and coming back like he missed nothing and Dom Cruz. And, you know, maybe even O'Malley after that, you saw the suspension, but it's not often that someone can just pick up. So he used that time to get better. Uh, he the fact that we don't have the tape in the UFC on him even getting out of the first round makes him very interesting moving forward to watch for the matchmakers to to know, you know, what they have here. They don't really know. Nobody really knows. There's a bit of a Shane Carwin element to him in terms of that regard, but uh did go the 5 rounds before the UFC that one time in a championship fight. So, who knows, Luke, but he you could not ask for a better calendar year. 3 three finishes all by first-round finish, and, and they were, I mean, three wins, and they were all destructive. Seriously, I mean, he, he's battering. He's battering people. Maybe the Derek Lewis one didn't give the closure and finality we wanted. Yeah, this one did. Did you see that cut, dude? That's going to be a scar. That shit was yeah. deep.
0: Yeah, he got messed up real good in this one. And, by the way, he got the performance bonus as well, his first one, I believe, in the UFC. I think that's right. Or certainly, one of the first in some time, anyway. Yeah, he had claimed um, afterwards that they, they screwed him out of it last fight against Derek Lewis, Luke. Yeah, well, that's because it had the weird stoppage. But this one was totally legit. I mean, no issues whatsoever. So congrats to Sergei Pavlovich. He has really rebounded quite well since Overeem put, him, put his lights out. Uh, now, BC, I'm going to go to a different fight here on this card rather than the co-main event, because I just find this one to be way more interesting. And I know you agree. How about old Roman Delidze? Wow, what a performance by him. He shined in stopping Jack Hermanson. Locks up a calf slicer, uses that essentially to anchor himself into position from the back, and then use that for ground and pound. Uh, By the way, I told you I just recently watched the full seminar that he had done, Jack Hermanson, on ground and pound. He got a taste of his own medicine here. So BC, I'll just ask you. He hit him with a pendulum sweep, he turned him over, had the calf slicer from the back, then he finishes him off. How, How good is Roman Delizze? Yeah, really fucking good.
1: So, you know, he's going to have his own mini-segment within Have You Seen This Shit. So, hashtag holy fucking hammer to this dude, Luke. But, look, it's funny. Pavlovich took those two years off and then comes back in 22 with three straight first-round finishes. The same thing without that big gap for Delizze, where this calendar year, Luke, 3-0, and this one was a second-round finish, but when you consider the caliber opponent in Jacker Manson and the method that he used to do it... These three finishes this calendar year, Kyle Dawkins, Phil Hawes, and now Jack Hermanson, dude, they've been fucking brutal. And I put the F word on that for a reason, Luke. He is coming out there with authority to show people that when we're making these these talks about this, this bin behind me, Luke, of these hammers that we pull out from that side of the world, that you better put respect on his name. And Luke, you know, I may come to him as a fan f- through different venues than you do, right? particularly through Instagram. But um I'll say this, Luke. We're not talking about Mr. Velismus here. We're talking about Roman Delizay. For this division, he has used this calendar year to announce himself. Not that we didn't ever heard of him before, but something serious has changed in terms of his commitment, his execution, and the nastiness. Luke, have you ever even seen that at a fight this level, the calf slicer take his back in ground and pound him like he was freaking Brock Lesnar in the mirror rematch. I mean, this is some brutal shit, dude.
0: I've seen, obviously, a, a lot of calf slicers from the back. It's typically how they're done. But uh, never in the way that he did it, where he was able to kind of scoot out the back and then roll his opponent onto their stomach and then go like that. I had someone tell me in the comments that, like, oh, I've see, I saw that in an amateur fight. Well, yeah, you see all kinds of crazy shit at the amateur or low-level pros. That means nothing. You got to do it to a guy who's top ten in the fucking world in his. Dude, Hermansen's real that good. That is good. how you do it.
1: Yeah, Hermansen's really good. This was like with ease.
0: So to that point, yeah, you can see the picture here. That is unusual, and as a point, I would like I'd like to make. I had someone ask me the other day, like, you know, when are the Dagestani style going to get figured out? And of course, you could find some version of some skill set that will have an answer for, but that's not really the answer. The long-term answer is that basically people are going to copy whatever works in MMA. They're going to copy some of those setups. They're going to copy the training. They're going to copy what they can, and the better fighters are going to make good use of it. It gets democratized. When Anderson Silva hit that front kick to the face on Vitor Belfort, yes, you had seen front kick KOs in other combat-related sports or whatever, but in the UFC, that was fairly uncommon. Since then, it's been democratized. You basically, he basically gifted it. To everyone Now, calf slicers are hard to hit, but I guarantee you someone else is going to hit this in at least the next couple of years or something like it very quickly because he shows you the possibility of what can happen. Once you get in that position, you're basically stuck. There's really no good answer from there, which is why you didn't see him struggle. There's no real way to turn out from it that I'm aware of anyway, certainly. And so it was a phenomenal win. And by the way, BC, you mentioned the good year he's had. We just talked about Sergey Pavlovich having a good year. Here's the 2022 for Roman Delidze. He beat Kyle Dawkins in round one with from knees in the clinch. Of course, the punches afterwards. Uh, He punched out Phil Hawes' lights in round one. And he beat Jack Hermanson inside. This is round two, of course, but he got the sweep and then he got on top. In that round. Remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I went fight by fight term. on
0: that about a minute ago, but I like that you did
1: it the second time so that I can say this. The nastiness of the three wins is different. Dude, I went back and watched those two after after that fight ended. I was like, wait, he he, he effed up somebody else this year. No, it turns out Dawkins and Hawes, and dude, he effed them up in those fights. Like, that was like street fight endings in terms of the brutality, right? So, I'd like to know, Luke, because he had a win in June of 2021, but then he was off a full year before the Dawkins fight. So he beat Laureano Steropoli by decision and he had lost to Trevin Giles before that. Uh, he was three and one of the in the UFC entering this calendar year, but he had taken that full year off. I'd like to interview him. I wonder what has changed in that, Luke. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Cheyenne Vlismus has changed that year. Maybe that's the secret, Luke. I don't know. But um, did you also hear John Anik say he was the scariest guy they've ever had in fighter interviews in and, and made it made him feel the most intimidated you probably didn't hear that because you like to watch with the volume down but like i do fighter interviews as do you a lot on the boxing side i think they're very valuable there are times when people come in there with a with a feeling and a mood where you're just like oh shit i'd like to have seen that interview luca that 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 almost makes roman delizia seem even scarier hmm. that he was like intensifying the shit out of ja and making him feel something you know
0: yeah, no doubt about it. And this is a, again, it just seems to me like before he was kind of, I don't know if rationing his offense is quite the right word because I don't think it was a, uh, a cardio issue, but he just didn't seem to have enough offensive will previously. And now he does, and guys cannot stand up to it. And not just on the feet, but on the ground as well. He's got his weaknesses, to be clear, but now his strengths have been majorly amplified So we'll see where he ends up in the rankings. BC, question back to you. Who else on this card stood out to you and why? Yeah, some
1: of these names are going to prop up more on have you seen the shit based on their finishes, but this whole card had a combined feel of, like, aging fighter redemption, meaning it doesn't have to be somebody who's past their prime, but when you take victories by Angela Hill, Quay Guida, Michael Johnson, Eric Anders. Eric Anders, yep. And, and the, the, the attitude, the method that they showed, how, how gutsy, how gritty they executed their game plan and were able to kind of turn back the clock in terms of the control they had. I was impressed across the board on these performances. I mean, Phil Rowe was getting the shit kicked out of him by Nico Price and rallied for that stiff knockout. Look, there's a few. I might even mention... Mateus Nicolau, who extended that long win streak in what what he announced after was the final fight of his deal. So we'll see if he gets re-signed and how how much that uh, knockout in second round over Matt Schnell launches him into into a deeper level of contention here. Um, I don't know who to pick who I'm most impressed with. Did one stand out to you above the rest? Because we can talk about each one of those if you want.
0: We could. I don't really need to go through the whole uh, bit about them. I thought Michael Johnson. It was nice to see him get back. Uh, well, he I, he had previously won, but you know, put well, up, dude. What put was some...
1: Jacqueyce doing, man? You thought you had the fight in the bag. Like Michael Johnson fought his ass off, and I yeah. loved to see it, and it was resurgent, and it bought him kind of a, a chance at a new life. But Jacqueyce was looking good in that first round, and then he stopped.
0: I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you to answer like, the question. You sorry. The answer to the question you did ask. Previously, like who really stood out to me, the one who opened the show, and I, again, I'm not sure how pronounced her last name, but it's Huaregi or Huaregi. I don't know where, if there's accents yeah. on the name or not. But Yasmin Huaregi looked tremendous. And the best part about it was she's still putting her game together. She's still in development. She gets dropped early by her opponent, Nunez. But rallied and then closed the show on her, showing not only does she have ability, but grit and determination and ability to persevere through difficulty when the when the moment arises or calls for it anyway. Yeah, good. We're gonna, Solid win by her.
1: We're gonna see that shit shortly. But this card had bangers and it had the crowd. It was good to see, obviously, everyone's saying the same thing because it's true. It's good to see these really good Fight Night cards get out of the apex and get somewhere. But Luke, say what you will about the clientele in the state of Florida, which includes some of my family members, Luke, although you may actually be right in the end, um, is that those crowds come out, they're hungry, they're aggressive, right? Jacksonville was the case in the past, and right here, Orlando, they seem to meet the energy that a lot of these fighters had. There were a lot of, like, statement performances. I mean, like we said, you know, Michael Johnson not done. Hey, good win for Clay Guida, uh, retiring Scott Holtzman. But, dude, we were saying a lot of great things, rightfully so, about Emily Ducote and, and mm-hmm. her potential here at Women's Strawweight. And, dude, Angela Hill came in and shut her down, man. I mean, sure that was
0: I was very surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised that Hill won. I think it, th- that fight was close enough that it was going to go either way. I think the odds spoke to that pre-fight but just how clinical she looked and like clearly like she, you know what was funny? Sometimes fighters are far apart in talent and then sometimes they're like somewhat apart in talent, but then that talent difference, however marginal may be is amplified by seniority in the game and like really understanding what works for you and what works in the moment. She just looked like she knew the octagon better and she knew how to fight up to her strengths better and Ducati just didn't have an answer for it. And uh great, great win by Angela Hill. Who, by the way, her record is very deceiving, BC. She sits today, I think her uh, record is 15-12. and 12. Man, that doesn't really tell you the story at all. It like, sounds like, oh, she's almost a 500 fighter. Nah, fam, she's a lot better than that.
1: Yeah, so does Michael Johnson coming in with a 22-18 and 18 in that fight and getting the win. It's that same feeling, but... But, dude, that was such a step-up performance from Hill. And if we're really being honest, that she this is what she does. It's like every time we think she's on the verge of entering a long losing streak, she'll come back and beat somebody who you didn't think she would and, and do it like this in controlling, professional, aggressive fashion. I mean, I, I was I was blown away by that. It was a great performance. I, there, I could talk about a lot. I mean, Eric Anders was punching holes through Kyle Dawkins. Luke, I didn't expect that.
0: Nope, didn't expect that either. Kyle Dawkins, we talked about Taito Iwasa coming back too soon. Kyle Dawkins might have come back too soon as well. You know, obviously, you know, uh, Eric uh, hits really hard, so that counts, but um I don't know, man. I didn't I didn't like how some of these guys they, they feel like they're Wolverine and I get it, right? I I understand how they might believe that, but you got to listen to what like No, not just the doctors, but like what the old heads in the gym are saying. It's like, dude, take your time coming back from an injury like that. And I still have a high belief or a high uh, uh, opinion of him and a belief that he can do well, Kyle Dawkins, But it is a bit of a reset moment for him, for sure. Do
1: you think, um, to close on your boy, did he get, like, was it easier to achieve Puntang while a linebacker on a national championship Alabama team or as a respected UFC fighter? gotta
0: be on Alabama national
1: 100 percent. just you know southern bells Luke I mean you know I don't want to glorify that lifestyle but it must have been it must have been something special and and by the way shout out to our guy uh, Phil McKagan you know friend of the show uh former college football star at Maine uh Deion Sanders is your new coach of the Colorado Buffaloes Luke so uh you know interesting things going on in Boulder you don't care about this at all
0: what is what is Phil coaching now?
1: Phil is the associate head coach, so I don't, I, I, but you know, Dion's coming in. Yeah, I, am
0: I bringing his own people? Right.
1: I don't know the situation of that, but uh, I was excited for, you know what? You're right. I should check in with Phil and get those details because I was excited for him.
0: I was like, Dion's coming. This is great, Luke. Yeah, unless it means <laughs> Dion's bringing someone in to replace him, in which case, not so <sighs> great. But... Yeah. Dude, dude, coaching is brutal, man. It's not like Phil's
1: not good. He's great, but. Well, maybe Dion knows what's up, and it's the Dion and Phil show moving forward, all right? Prime time and show time.
0: yeah. All right, let's talk about number four on the rundown here at BC. At one on Prime Video 5, I mean, folks, there are Ugh. not, there's a handful of, well, more than a handful, but there's a, the, the list of people that I tell to pay attention to outside of the UFC. It's relatively small, relatively speaking, right? And even inside the UFC, the list is small, like who you should actually pay attention to. But the point I'm trying to make is, if, there is, if someone were to ask me, like, hey, who's someone really interesting you should pay attention to outside the UFC? The answer is going to be Anatoly Malekin. Anatoly Malekin fucking demolished uh, Rainier DeRitter. I mean, he absolutely... DeRitter was never in this fight. Now, understand something. DeRitter is a two-way world champion, or at least was, at middleweight and light heavyweight. He still is at middleweight. Light heavyweight was a, was a step up for him. And... Malikin BC, as you well know, is the interim heavyweight champion. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen with uh, Arjun Buller. But he went down a weight class, essentially, to fight DeRitter at uh, light heavyweight and crushed him. Let's ask this question. How good is Anatoly Malikan? Terrifyingly good. <laughs> so, like, I think we have to
1: be careful at like the, the clowning reaction we have when a when a fighter in a big spot gets sent to hell. It's all, you know, we're almost like, yeah, there you go, way to dare to be great. You know, that's what happened. So I don't want to do that because Rainier De Ritter. you know, when he comes on our show and is like, you know, I'll beat Adesanya and Poetan the same night. I'm going to win titles in three divisions. I love when people talk like that and are also unbeaten and a two division champion and have this track record. So I got, I, I want to sit here and say, I got so much respect for RDR to go up Basically, due to the rehydration rules, basically move up to heavyweight because they came in, what, in the low 220s? So he's basically moving up to a third division, although this was technically a light heavyweight fight, and facing the unbeaten current interim heavyweight champion who was trying to make his big name and big moment. It just so happened that that was a leap not only too far, but way too far because of how scary freaking good this guy is. Luke, I heard the result before I watched the fight. So what I figured was RDR did RDR things until he walked into a bomb and that was it. Then I watched that fight and it was systematic demolition, not just with the body shots, the stiff jabs and those hard right hands that every time they landed, you're like, oh, shit, the the Dutch knight is, you know, you can't take more than those. And his face was getting bright red, as you can see in the pictures. But even separate from that. He stuffed every single takedown that. So coming in, Luke, I talked to RDR at length. I'm like, you know, what's going to happen. Are you, are you waiting for that opponent that can stuff your takedowns consistently and make this a a, a striking match? And he, he almost like laughed at me like, Oh yeah. You know, nobody's going to do that. Dude. Malekin came out and did that dominantly, just straight up, shut the front door on him and was like, you're going to fight for your life out here on this porch. Only that's his playground in the striking game. Dude, it was systematic demolition, almost as like striking and, and blowing you away as, like, you know, Rousey Holm or Pacquiao de la Hoya, where you're just like, oh my God, this is, this is one sided as shit. That's exactly what it was. This guy's already got the interim heavyweight title. Now he's the light heavyweight champion, he's undefeated. He's in his prime from Russia, and if you saw... We'll see him and Have You Seen This Shit, but if you saw like his post-fight interview, he's just like, <laughs> I'm the best. I have the best wife. I have the best kid. I have the best boss. Look at me now. Like I, That's through translation, and I'm adding the Borat uh, thing there to make it funny, but it's almost like he's just like, I'm a fucking badass. What you going to do about it? Yeah, what is Arjun Bula going to do about it? What is anybody going to do about it? I came in here hyping RDR because... His accomplishments were very impressive, and by the way, they still are. But, dude, he ran into a guy who's coming the fuck on right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know me. A year ago, I was just like, dude, I don't have time for one. You know what I mean? Maybe like I was last year when I bid in on PFL and was like, oh, man, this cage is pretty fucking smart. Dude, one's really good right now. The matchups, people, the hammers, people going for it, the constant aggressive matchmaking of champion against champion – this was so compelling to watch and as for as long as it landed it, it lasted and now I can't wait to see where both guys go because Luke this is as devastating a loss as RDR can face and I know he's already the champion of middleweight and I know he you know he can go into the grappling divisions like he's as good as it gets on the ground but dude he got sent to hell and it wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke it wasn't luck uh, you know I give RDR so much credit for take standing out on this Standing out in the rain and saying "Bring it!" Oh, holy! Oh, oh, it got fucking brought, Luke. Is this a career-altering defeat? Uh, ba- based on how freaking brutal and one-sided that it
0: was, that's my question to you. I, I definitely feel like, <laughs> dude. Like to your point, you you really, if you guys are Amazon Prime members out there, or if you can find a copy of the fight, however you can, strongly encourage you to watch it. Doesn't last very long, less than a round, so you're not asking for a ton of time to sit down and take a look at this. I'm not. I'm not doing a bit here. DeRitter looks like he's trying to take down a brick wall. Like it never, it never gets close. And he'd make several attempts, especially early from trips from the clinch. Like they're it was it, it looked it looked like honestly like tukey trying to take me down dude like it was it was like <laughs> yeah but malikin. he's six four. dude rdr is I six foot
1: four and huge and he got just decimated man
0: so i, I, I want to tell you about this comparison see what you think of it bc because i haven't fully fleshed it out but it's just something that occurred to me when i watched him punch now in terms of personality malikin is the opposite of a name i'm about to say malikin to your point you got to watch the post fight interview the guy's like pretty happy-go-lucky. He's jovial. He's intense, super intense. Don't get me wrong. But he's kind of happy. He's bubbly. He's he's full of life, right? And I mean that in a very positive way. Obviously, he's a terrifying force of nature in the, in the cage. But in terms of how he punches and some of the mechanical advantages he retains, he reminds me of Fedor. He reminds me of a smaller heavyweight who has heavyweight strength but, like, light heavyweight or even middleweight speed, yeah. and he uses both of them. He's got a wrestling background so he can shut everything down. He's strong as a fucking ox, but his hand speed is terrifying, and his punching power is all heavyweight, and he can reach long distances with it. He can cover ground super easily. Like, dude, he has put—everyone's like, oh, well, he fought a guy who's not in the right weight class— Go look at the heavyweights he did that to. (laughs) They fall the exact same way. His power definitely carries at heavyweight. Does that comparison mechanically as he functions resonate with you at all?
1: Yeah, it does. And it's an interesting one, but he was that freaking scary. And it's like, you know, the easy reaction here is to go okay you know i'm i'm like where bc was you know f this extra organization it's not as good as this or that i don't care i don't want to see it you could make that mistake but if you go back and watch all of these rdr fights in multiple weight classes leading in dude as soon as he gets his hands on you you not only are taken down he's already in like move two and a half of of setting you up for the submission and the finish i mean look there was something about rdr that just next level that jumps through the screen and this dude malekin didn't win this fight because again of one lucky puncher because of size, even though he was the bigger man coming down. He won this fight because he seems to be special and dominant. So Luke, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just hooked on a feeling here, and, and but but one is checking some boxes in for me right now. It almost feels equivalent not because of the side of the world they're on but like when i got back into wrestling a couple years ago pro wrestling i know you don't want you don't care about this you want to hear this and you know there's wwe and there's strong stuff going on in the indies but i'm like you know wwe is the best but the flavor man it's not always just for me and then I, i tried out new japan pro wrestling and i'm like oh that's different it's grittier it's you know the matchmaking booking thought process is just different the right now luke there's something about what one is offering that it wouldn't work if you didn't have elite fighters, and it seems like they do. It wouldn't work if you didn't have awesome fights, and boy, do they. But their storytelling through the matchmaking tends to be more compelling on average than, than some of their competitors in, in, of late. Now, maybe that's the gimmick of putting champion against champion so often, which Chachri and company seem to, you know, almost they're, they're willing to overabuse that formula. But like... You exit some of these fights going, oh, shit, maybe, you know, maybe it's just you're new to some of the I'm new to some of these athletes. But I'm like, man, I got, I got to follow them now down this road. I got to see storyline wise what's coming up next with the booking. And, you know, they're hot right now. Now, at the same time, there's a quote floating around where Chatry's like, we are bigger than UFC. There's no question in terms of viewership or engagement that around the world, we're the better organization. No. But I'm really happy with this one product so far. So it's the, you can be both things at once, right? Look, it's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's just—I I don't know why. Like, you would say something like, "Who? Who is the intended audience for some bullshit like that?" You know what I mean? I don't even I mean, know. Maybe and
1: probably investors. Probably investors, right?
0: Probably investors. I'm not sure. I think it's Bashir Ahmad, or maybe it's Matthew. I'm not sure who. No, sorry, not Bashir Ahmad. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's. It could be Bashir Ahmad, it could be Matt Hume. I'm not sure who the official matchmaker is at this point, for one, but whoever it is, they're doing a good job. Like, they're doing a good job. Like, of all the things you can say about one, fine, Sam. But on that issue of, like, finding and selecting good talent and the right permutations, they're good at it. They're real good at it. So that's why you get fights like this, and this was a bit of a blowout, but what a revelation Malikin turns out to be now bc also on this card well hold on just
1: real quick aside what role does rich franklin let's shout out ace who we enjoyed having on our show is he involved in some of this you know, long-term matchmaking and how they're trying to set I'm not people sure.
0: up. I'm not sure. I know he has a few administrative roles that are pretty important. I don't know what role he plays in matchmaking. Okay. We should get him back on the show and then ask. Yeah, I'm into that for yeah. sure. I like, I like ACE. I like Ulrich Rich Franklin. Uh, all right. Roberto Soldich who folks like, well, who's that? Well, he was a two way world champion in KSW who knocked out Dricus Duplessis. Dricus Duplessis is undefeated in UFC. is about to fight Darren Till. Yeah. Roberto Soldich is very, very good had the worst fucking debut ever. (laughs) Kicked in the balls. There was no real fight. He he had stopped. BC, this hasn't happened to my knowledge on a major platform since Alessio Sakara. which I watched this live. I remember this very, very vividly. Alessio Sakara made his UFC debut against a guy by the name of Ron Faircloth. Ron Faircloth kicked him in the balls so fucking hard, they had to get the puke bucket out for him, and he was dry heaving in the middle of the octagon. A horrific one debut, was it not?
1: That's Kish versus Herig levels of gross, Luke. Yeah, but no, th- luckily this didn't have that gross element, but I got to ask you, I got to spin it back at you. No, this is a, a horrific uh, uh, debut, but I've texted you when I was watching this you know, on delay and and, and going, man, Chatry on the broadcast just seemed to make it feel like this is the biggest MMA free agent signing globally. So I expected that with some promoter you know, promoter speak in general, but I did text you and say, okay, like, how good is this guy? Luke, how good is this Robocop guy with Pitbull and in the in the uh, flag of Croatia on his shorts? Because he looks like a badass. I don't know much about him, looks. I'm a filthy uh, casual. He's,
0: he's very good. He's very, very, very good. Two of his losses, one was to Drigas Duplessis, which he avenged and then knocked him out. And the, if you watch the second fight, it's not especially, I mean, it's not... It's not like a blowout but it wasn't it wasn't like super close. Um Soldich was much better. And then his other loss was a split decision against you know we're talking like relevant portions of his career uh, was to Yaroslav Amosov, right? A oh, Bellator shit. Welterweight champion, right? Exactly dude, we're talking about a guy like Tested. you know you can, Yeah. Battle, e- exactly. Test. And he was though, he was a 2 weight world champion in KSW. Like when he signed everyone thought he was going to go to UFC. It was like a foregone conclusion. And then he went to one big signing by them. Big signing. All right. All right. All right. Shout out to With Brent out the way, Stover be... uh, the, on the call too. Do you think he tore it up in the Philippines afterwards or is this joke just <laughs> abusive and not necessary? It's a little bit abusive and not necessary. There were some other wins, by the way, at the cup, the subsequent card. I think it was one one sixty four because they always do two cards back to back. Brandon Vera retired. I don't know if anyone saw that. Brandon yeah, Vera well, called I, it. A I day. believe
1: we're going to talk about him in the, later in the show. I've been okay. Told okay, so. very
0: good. All right, uh, then let's go to the last of it. BC, a bit of a boxing roundup. Let's start with Fury, even though that fight was stupid. So Tyson Fury, of course, beats the fucking bags off of God. Derek Chisora. Stops him in the 10th round. Felt like he could have stopped him at any point he really wanted to. It was one-sided, bullshittery. BC, before we get to Chocolatito, what do you have to say about Tyson Fury?
1: I mean, let's like, what a waste of... That many people in the stadium, and that was weird. By the way, something we didn't talk about was that they did it at the outdoor Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in like 30 degree winter weather, which again was just freaking weird. It, um, Luke, this had I was getting nervous a little bit because it looked like he was going to knock Chisora out early, and it already looked like why are we doing this? Like, what the hell's going on? We already talked about it ad nauseum. Like, what are we doing here, right? And and then Chisora just kind of lingers, and then his face was getting to a level that I don't know if you remember, Luke, when uh, Vitali Klitschko defended this heavyweight championship against Shannon Briggs, and it became insanely one-sided, but yet Briggs, like, refused to go away and took, I mean, really an abominable beating that left him in the hospital and, like, just unnecessary, meaning the fight was so one-sided, he wasn't going to rally to victory. It would have been one of those fights where it would have been smart for somebody to jump in and like, round eight and be like, okay, we know where this is going. This almost was one of those, so I'm glad that it didn't, but it's like, given how friendly they were, that played against this fight even ever being booked. And then it played against, you know, it's like, I'm not in, I'm not here to show you on have you seen the shit these two hugging in the locker room afterwards and sharing burgers. I didn't put it in the mix because just given the landscape, I thought it was an unnecessary risk. I thought it was a waste of time. Would I have been this angry if he just picked a different faded aging opponent and not one who he beat twice already in one sided fashion? I mean maybe I'm again I'm not I want fighters to fight more often than not for our entertainment purposes. I think this once or twice a year modern thing is not good unless it's you know if you're going to do it for health reasons and and that's the business plan you're on okay. But uh, even this is just this was like a worst case scenario because it felt like it was presented as a big thing and it wasn't. And the only thing that could have happened was negative and bad and at the very least it was good to hear Fury for the most part be like, yeah, let's fight Usyk. Let's do this next. So that's the fight we want and need. But in Usyk's face afterwards, he was like, you know, Usyk, if we can't figure this fight out, I'll be happy to fight Joe Joyce right here too. Now, I'd also love that fight. But how many more times are we going to risk the four belt unification? So let's get this undisputed thing done because it makes, it it makes heroes. It makes legends. We'll find out who is the heavyweight of this era. Let's find it out because Tyson Fury deserves to be in that conversation. But uh, like a typical Tyson Fury night at the office, there were a lot of weird elements to this fight that, uh, can we just forget it and move on, Luke? I mean, what did we learn? We learned that he dodged every bullet.
0: Yeah, dude, basically everyone waited 45 minutes of a fight no one cared about to just see the face-off between him and Usyk. And by the way, Fury did say something after the fight that I thought was kind of interesting. He was like, listen, how many times have you seen Anthony Joshua show up to one of these things to get in my face? He's like, you've never seen him. He's like, I'll give credit to Usyk. Usyk showed up to be right in my face. To make this fight happen, both uh, promoters saying at this point they expect a the deal to be done in a matter of weeks. So I will say I, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about that fight being made than I had been previously because he's such a the, wild card.
1: What about the Fury reveal, Luke, that he needs elbow surgery and he has to get his wrist fixed, and he still thinks he'll be fine for March or April, but
0: yeah, he needs... Yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's not... that's I mean, it obviously, depends on the injury and his recovery and how well he does it, but that's... That's not crazy. That's that's potentially a little a little aggressive, but Okay. In that regard
1: Yay. But it felt like a waste of time and you know, Chisor took a sloppy beaten. I mean it's like, did Fury look good? Yeah, and pockets you look really good. So it's like I'm not fearful that Fury has fallen off, although Luke, his love handles were comically pronounced. You gotta be honest, right? I mean it was like I don't think you're ready
0: for that jelly. I mean them shits were jangling.
1: Like even DC was like, dude, not taking the shirt off again publicly. You know what I mean? Like it was like at that level, Luke. It was like extra ass cheeks trying to I come mean, out. I mean, you of know,
0: it. let he, he who is without sin cast the first stone. I mean, oh he yeah, pathetic on. pieces of shit. But my man's love handles when he puts a shirt on, <laughs> like you, like it's a coffee table. You could rest yeah. things on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, with that said, yeah, he did look good and po- like I've no look. He's going to be the favorite against Usyk. He should be. Let's make that fight for history. But. Right. It's like I almost was like, man, all those people came out there and st- stood in the cold. I mean, at least they got a a, a barn burner in that Dubois fight, which we'll see and have you seen this shit. But, yeah, yeah that look, was a great
0: fight. That was a great fight.
1: The best thing we could say is that nothing bad happened. You know, nothing too bad happened. So let's survive in advance.
0: All right. Let's talk about the fight that was most interesting. This will wrap up our top five of the weekend. So here, another prediction I totally bombed on. Although. Although this one was really weird, BC. Well, tell me why it was weird. I want to hear it, Luke. Tell me from your side. Okay, so let me just say what happened. Juan Francisco Estrada defeats Chocolatito uh, via majority decision. I believe it was 114-114 on one of the judges' scorecards, and then two of them were 115-113. Now, here is why it was weird. Because through six, maybe seven rounds, depending on how you scored it, Chocolatito looked like shit. He looked like shit. I couldn't believe that. It wasn't. Uh, wasn't, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. uh, I will grant you. I will grant you. Estrada looked way better than I thought he was going to. Better than I said it was even possible. So I'll take that L there. But BC, I'm not wrong about this. That was a different fight. And that was a different fighter from the seventh round on. (laughs) Chocolatito from the seventh round on. Yeah got in his face, his feet were moving, his combinations were flowing, and then the fight turned into what I thought it was going to be. It just took him seven rounds to get there. What the fuck happened? A um,
1: few couple things here. So I, I turned out I was right. Like, Punch punch Drunk Pete was in my DMs the very right before the fight started. Like, which way do I bet this? And I'm like, dude, this line doesn't make any sense. Like, we're asking a lot of Chocolatito nearly two years removed from a performance that was already, like, turned back the clock. And even though he's looked good in between them, uh, you know, I felt like Estrada was a live dog. In fact, I picked Estrada to, to ultimately win by decision by outworking him. That's what happened. But how we got to the outworking and to your point is where the fight was lost for Chocolatito. So let's be fair and honest here. Um, it's not that he sucked early. I think his mindset and game plan was too course corrective to the scores in the rematch, meaning. Chocolatito got the best of Estrada in their 2021 rematch on the, on the punch numbers, and also visually most of us were like, yeah, great fight, but that's a Chocolatito win. I think Gonz- uh, Roman Gonzalez here, Chocolatito, overcompensated for that and thought, look, I'm going to come out in this trilogy and leave No Doubt and make it a war. But there's a couple problems with this. He took nearly two full rounds off. Now, look, that's not, like, rare. They talked about in the broadcast, but, like, they didn't mention Floyd Mayweather, who, like, notoriously did that. But Floyd was a different concept and game plan, where sometimes he needed two, three, even four full rounds, like against Zab Judah, to figure out the speed, the angles, and all that. But once he did, he left himself enough room to put that shit on lockdown and win the fight. know, didn't have that same luxury. You were just in two close fights against Estrada, decade apart but that second one you may have won even though you won on the punch stats like you see what the judges are looking at here i don't have i don't like i'm not against him saying i'm going to go in there look to push the action and knock him out if that was the game plan saying let's take the judges out of it dude he's an old gunslinger. do whatever the hell he wants he's one of the one of the heroes of my boxing fandom lifetime i fucking love chocolates but he miscalculated here if you're if your game plan is to come out and get the knockout why give away the first two rounds to read him when inevitably this what this rivalry has showed us is that even if you're going for the knockout, it's probably going to go the distance. You are two all-time greats here. Probably going to go the distance, right? So you give away the two rounds, and then from rounds two to six, Latito was uncharacteristically headhunting. And I thought, you know, Sergio Mora said it best where he's pushing his punches. Not a lot of zip on them. He was just basically putting pressure out there to try to get inside and try to make a fight. It was never reckless or, or or necessarily irresponsible because he's a complete fighter, you know, but it did welcome more the potential for more damage. And it's like he just punted away with that style those rounds by trying too hard to make it a fight without doing what he normally does better than, you know, better than as, as good as anybody in this era, which is start off boxing, but build off his boxing and work through combinations to just paint this masterpiece of effective power punching that didn't kick in until he started coming on in round seven and eight. So Luke, I look back as just a real big. shitting on this fight afterwards, being like, "Yeah, not 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 as good as one and two. I disagree with that. I think it's better than one, to be fair. It was a damn good fight. Even in Tito trying to be too much of a headhunter, there were pockets in rounds three and four that were as good as any pockets in this series. It was a very good action fight. This was not the triple G Canelo three that people were trying to compare it to, but Estrada was the younger pressure guy coming in, even if he didn't look great in his last home down performance. And Luke, he stayed to the game plan, did Estrada, El Gallo. He put the pressure on, and for Chocolatito it was like, really good, but too good too late. What are you doing, dude? You're a legend. You're not supposed to fall for that. What are you doing? Right? Yeah. I hope they can hear. Can they, is Luke heard right now, folks? Uh,
0: Yeah. Take it with the question.
1: All right. Well, Luke's asking me if you didn't hear it, uh, whether I believe there should be a four fight, fourth fight. So at the moment here, Estrada is up two fights, two to one in this series. But the asterisk, of course, is that second fight, the rematch. Most of us thought Chocolatito won. Um, I, I still think it's in play if they both want it. Now, Chocolatito basically will hear him and have you seen this shit, but his idea of whether that should happen is more to do with, you know, is there enough money to make it worth it for me to do it again? You could argue that Chocolatito still won this rivalry from what our eyes saw, but Estrada is able to say, hey, I'm two to one here. You know, it's got that Marquez Pacquiao element to it and and to to a degree. But I think first for Estrada, since he's still closer to his prime Um, you know, look, I'd still love a third fight between Estrada and Sirius Ketsuo Rungvasai, just like I'd like Chuck in on a third fight against him. If they want to do something else first, that's fine. But I'm not against the fourth fight. I think the the series would still call for it. I don't think there'd be commercial viewer fatigue necessarily. Like, this is never going to be a huge fight commercially, but the hardcores know what they're getting here. And I think unlike the Vasquez-Marquez, great rivalry that aired all on Showtime there, that fourth fight was like unnecessary. One guy was way hurt than the other had the eye issue and they were both past it and really didn't have anywhere else to go. So they went back into each other. This time around, Luke, I think there'd be more significance on a fourth fight. It wouldn't be Pacquiao-Marquez four, but they would have a chance to look at each other and say, we're both Hall of Famers here. We're, you know, we were both pound for pound greats, you know, Chocolatio number one, powerful pound at one point, but Estrada has been around it. We are going to be defined and remembered long-term because of this rivalry. Since there's not full closure and there still is some uncertainty, let's do our best to make this rivalry the best of this era. And you could say, well, what is this era? Is Pacquiao Marquez in this era? It depends where you sort of put it there, but you know, I think it's worth it on history alone. And yeah, we've had a couple—I mean, I was fine with the scores here. I just think this was a—because, re. look, I don't think Chuck Lachito, um looked old, which which some people were thinking in the beginning when he started off very slow. I just think it was like Lomachenko against Teofimo. You just flipped that switch too late. Like Hopkins against Jermaine Taylor in the first fight. You just flipped that switch too late. His corner
0: was imploring him to step on the gas. I do think he looked old. You know, not the okay. end of the fight. Look great, well, when, but when they were imploring corner, him, his corner was furious with. Let
1: him. me ask you this though: that was, I believe, after three or four. In his, in his trainer is Randy Caballero's father, and, and a you know, respected name. But you know, they were imploring him to stop fighting like an asshole. They were imploring him to box and build off the jab and then work to the combinations rather than just come forward like punch, punch, man. I mean, so I, I don't think it was so much like they were trying to wake him up to to get out of, like, stop being old. I think it was, dude, what kind of game plan is this? We didn't practice this. You know what I mean? Mm. You're too good for this. You know what I mean? He was. I, I think if he was as washed as Triple G was in the Canelo fight, then there'd be no reason but to go for broke and just try to be the puncher. I still think he could have outboxed him and won this fight. He just showed us that two years ago. Tougher hill to climb at this age, but I think it was possible.
0: All right. Fair enough. That is our top five here today uh appreciate everyone who has been tuning in thus far i gotta remind everyone bc ufc orlando was this past weekend and this card had hashtag hammer of the month potential all over it uh bc what do you think uh i
1: think it did i mean holy hammer aaron blanchfield was the first recipient recipient last week of money lions hammer of the month she's gonna accept that physical hammer trophy and has you know really fulfilled the purpose of this sort of exercise, which is who has been under the radar but is starting to get above it with, with a big-time performance. UFC Orlando from, I mean, up and down the board, Eric Anders, your boy, to uh, Phil Rowe. I mean, every. I mean the, you the people are fighting each other for this nomination. And, I mean, do you have a name, Luke, that you're looking at? Because there was a lot to love up and down.
0: Well, let me remind everyone, of course, Money Lion, the only app, money app, excuse me, you're ever going to need. They have been uh, helping us with this, they're a show sponsor here, and we have, of course, what everyone knows now to be the Moneyline Hammer of the Month. Could be a boxer or an MMA fighter that's not necessarily getting the recognition they deserve. BC each Monday we plan to highlight of course the nominees on the show and pick a winner at the end of every month to reward this epic hammer trophy which of course we gave or we're going to give anyway to Aaron Blanchfield she's the first official winner and when you guys are watching fights over the weekend let us know which fighters you think deserve this sweet award just hop into your go to social platform uh, and tell us who you think should be nominated you can tag mo- at MoneyLion on twitter or at money Lion, inc on instagram and then use the hashtag hammer of the month for information moneylion.com slash morning combat bc i'm going to go with who i said from ufc orlando who started the whole card yasmine white i think really? that she yeah dude i think you know it'd be one thing if she went in there and just battered the other person she didn't have like when you think about hammer of the month we think about complete domination and there's some other people you could pick for that i i, I welcome it but I think her upside is super legitimate. I think her upside is huge. And I like that she tasted a little bit of adversity because you're gone on the octagon. If you're always just dealing, that doesn't really tell you the full story about someone. The full story is how they deal with adversity. She did. I was super impressed. Uh, that's a great vote.
1: And we're going to see a video of her shortly. But I got to stay with Roman Delice now that I look at it, Luke. And I, and yeah. the reason why, you could say, oh, BC, that was the main card. Um, Hey, UFC, what are we doing here? a seven fight main card that begins at 10 PM Eastern on a card that's on the East coast. Like is this, is this payback for something I said? I mean, what are we doing here? This was basically the undercard because of that, but no Roman delete. we talked about him. You'll see him shortly. It's hard for, for him to get that name off of my mind. But if you guys saw something different, if you're loving some of these comeback knockouts that we saw, uh, Please. I mean, who? Uh, look, I didn't want to forget one other name. Uh, I think we're going to talk about him soon, but Francis Marshall dropped a bomb on Rojo. You see that? Yep, you see that yeah, trick?
0: he certainly did. He's 23 holy. years old, that kid. 23. Yeah, holy Trazen hammer. Pellegrino. So again, <laughs> moneylion.com slash morning combat, moneylion.com slash morning combat. Uh, for your nominees, we'll award one at the end of the month. All right, BC, it is time now for the donks to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from the diggity donks. <laughs> As you guys know, we put up a post on Instagram. You fill it up with questions. Also on Twitter this time I saw. And then, folks, uh, the producers pull questions. All right, from at cease2394BC, is it now the time to unify the BMF and NMF NMF belts? So that's Stephen Thompson, the nicest mf I'm so sick of this stupid bit. Um,
1: uh, Will this belt have a presence? Will the UFC allow... If they make the rematch, Masvidal Thompson, will the UFC allow him to walk with it, and will they even allow it to be mentioned on the air as like at stake, or are we done with that, Luke? Tell me the truth.
0: I don't care about these belts. I really don't. I just don't give a shit. They're trying. Okay. People are trying okay. to keep the ghost of these fucking Sorry. things alive. Sorry, Luke. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Kylo Ren. Let the past die. You're just like let the, it die.
1: the MK curse doesn't fucking exist.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Who's right about that? Uh, all right. From at V Sanchez underscore 88 BC. Do you, this is an interesting question. Do you see any parallels between Kevin Holland and Kevin Lee? They both seem uh, like they have all the potential in the world, but lack a coherent game plan.
1: Yeah, I get, I mean, if you, if you're going to, uh, you know, They're I don't both see named their, Kevin, they are both named Kevin. I don't see their specific, well, they are close enough in the same division more or less Although they one came down and one came up, but uh, you know maybe more just from the standpoint of yet to be fully realized potential, right? Yes. But like also, if anyone's going to try to make that comparison, I would counter back and say, well, you know, Kevin Lee did get into an interim championship fight, so he did. He never fully accomplished his potential and us calling him future champion, Kevin Lee. But uh, you know, I'm not sure Kevin Holland has achieved that much yet. Close, but not that much yet. I think we all look at Kevin Holland as somebody who could be a title contender if he puts everything together. But I think Kevin Lee gave us more reasons to believe that if we're comparing him head to head. So I don't make a... I, I don't just go, no, they're they're both named Kevin and they're UFC fighters, so this is the also, same. I don't think story. they're
0: quite the same, right? Because... Kevin Lee was a guy, and it still is a guy. We'll see how things go. He's training with Phil DeRue, so he's trying to get his body right for this next stage of his career. Although, what the fuck's happening with Eagle FC, I don't know. But he was a guy who had, like, stated very lofty ambitions and then either didn't have the ability or made, like, critical errors through the course of a fight. Kevin Holland seems like a guy who's just, like... happy-go-lucky just kind of fucking about a little bit that's not the same thing you know you've never heard Kevin Holland be like I'm the best fucking guy in this weight class and I'm gonna prove it to you and then just kind of messed up along the way that that's not really that's not how he fights so I get the question but I don't think it's quite right all right uh from at Cole underscore brown 858 BC thoughts on Brandon Vera retiring from MMA and his overall career you know
1: it he was on that second card that you mentioned, not the Amazon card, but I think the debut on the FanDuel TV for one. And he's—it seems like he's been around forever, but he's still kind of always been that dude in a way, fun loving, but intense when he needs to be. And I was really touched by the the sort of uh, promo he cut into the camera, walking back to the locker room after what was his final fight over the weekend, and just being like, "This is what I love to do." And I got to do this. I, like it's almost like a guy who just seems so grateful, exiting the sport, what he loved to do. He probably fought longer than he ever thought he would, than we ever thought he would, and fought at a you know high level and was one champion. Um, but just the joy he showed, and, and basically, it looked like a man who finished what he set out to do. He finished the course, and and he was better off for doing you know walking in walking it the way he did, and, and the decisions he made, and and it's like we we don't see people exit happy enough in the sport for obvious reasons. Right. But it seemed like a guy who, who I was touched by his sort of in the moment encapsulation of what this represented to him and, and, and accomplishing his own dreams and all that. And, you know, for a guy that never got over the hump at the highest level, but was in some memorable fights and fought the very best, Luke, um, I always had a lot of respect for him and, and, you know, really added to his tattoo game as the career went on in the twilight.
0: Surely, surely he did. Uh, I'd say a couple things about him. I He initially started his career out of Camp Springs, camp Springs Maryland, and I got to see uh, his camp a little bit for Tim Sylvia, although it was after the Tim Sylvia fight where things kind of fell apart for him. But prior to that, like when he beat Fabiano Scherner, Fabiano Scherner is like a respected coach now who's cornered numerous UFC fighters. I remember very vividly when Brandon Vera knocked him out and then said, I'm going to be the first two-weight world champion in the UFC. He got laughed at. And of course, it didn't really work. But then he beat Justin Eilers, Swario Silva, and then when he beat Frank. He beat the shit out of Frank Mir. He was seven and zero at that point. I was like, holy smokes, this guy's going places. And then it all kind of fell apart. And well, he got robbed he against
1: up, Randy. You know that, right? You know that.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. But then he fought John Jones, and then John John fucked him up. And then John ended up being the light heavyweight guy that we had thought Brandon Vera might be because uh, he was doing the heavyweight and the light heavyweight thing at the, at the time. Anyway. Um, but he was uh, he was a, one of the hottest commodities in the sport for a long time. He put Filipino. He wasn't he wasn't like training out of the Philippines, but to an extent, he put a focus, I should say, on the Philippines and Filipino MMA. He was able to have I think a couple of fights there, several fights actually. In fact, through one. And the other thing I would say, BC, is you know while things didn't quite pan out in the way that he had said after the Fabiano Scherner win. He actually got a little extra life in his career by virtue of his relationship with one championship. He didn't fight a ton for them. He fought once in 2014, 2015, 2016, not at all 2017, once in 2018, once in 2019, once in 2021, and then 2022. BC, he was like Gary Russell Jr. of one in that way. Yeah, but he was champion, right? Right, right, but this is the point. He became a champion there. He got paid well there. They got to fight in the Philippines there where his family is from. Like, he got a second life in his career that I don't think a lot of people saw coming after he just got bodied by Ben Rothwell back in 2013. Um, so good for him. He actually ended up having a pretty well, good I career wonder, even after I stumbling if, a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if some of that happiness that showed was, you know, some, I mean, look, when people seem to leave the UFC late in their career but still have a name and something left, they have the potential to make more money if they make the right choices just because of where we're at in fighter pay in the UFC today. You know, so when guys like Corey Anderson say those statements, you get it. I wonder if he went to one and and really fought out his career on, on on much different financial terms that he was used to, and maybe that allowed him to you know set up his future in ways that guys exiting the sport don't always get to. So, uh, um, I mean, everyone that's gone to one seems to say that the that the money made it worth it. But uh, you know, it's good to see you, Luke. Okay, we just have to drag good.
0: these guys out of these cages. You know. Yeah, usually you do. I think he called it a day, and I think um, right on time. Right on time. Three losses in a row. He's old. I think he's like 40 something now. How old is Brandon? 45, I believe. 45 (sighs) Jesus. I mean, that is old. That is old. So yeah, it's a good time to get out, but he ended up having some pretty remarkable achievements as well. Okay. From at Dustin strong, just a few uh, vowels removed. If Piotr Jan goes to one, how big of a fight would him versus Rod Tang be? it would be big and BC. How would it play out on a striking only match? Rob Tang beats his ass. What kind of a question is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd have to do a hybrid like the DJ one. But, I, I mean, would it, how big would it be commercially? I think it'd be, like, for the hardcores, we'd, we'd love it, right? But I, oh, I don't yeah, know if it'd it, be
0: huge. I don't know how I, big it would be in I don't Singapore think it'd be or whatever.
1: Big. I don't think it would be big in the U.S. commercially. I think it would be an interesting attraction. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the, 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 the sex tease of it, Luke. Yeah, I'd, oh, hell yeah, let's do this thing. Let's find out. Let's not debate it. Let's find out, Luke.
0: Yeah uh I would love it and then last but not least from at MT Booble what was your movie of the year BC sure as fuck wasn't black adam which is a dumpster fire you know I didn't uh, we don't we don't tend to see these ahead of time so I didn't I didn't
1: prepare for this but um I mean, it surely wasn't uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, although I enjoyed it, Luke. <laughs> and uh, I really liked Wakanda Forever. I don't know, that's not figuring into, like, end-of-year best film debates, though, right? Like, people think I'm already overrating it just because I really enjoyed the experience of watching it in the theater in 3D with my kids and being like, oh, shit, this is really good. Um, what is? What are, like, the favorites at the moment for... Best I
0: don't know. Oscar I don't, for so Best. I've, I've seen a lot of movies this year, but I don't know if there were 2022 movies because I didn't yeah. go to theater. Top Gun Ma- Maverick would be a 2022 movie. Yeah,
1: but, but that can't that win best.
0: that can't even be nominated for Best Picture. It was like a hell no, of a ride, just saying, but... What's your favorite, not what is likely to win the Academy? Uh, the all right, all right.
1: Well, then of of the movies I've seen in the theater this calendar year, I'd have to go with Wakanda Forever, Luke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would probably go with everything everywhere all at once. Have you seen that? i did not uh you would like that you would like that that's a really well done original take um it's a bit of a sci- well definitely a sci-fi movie in a way but uh, that was good um trying to think what else i saw this year that's oh pray that wasn't a great movie that was okay but it was good i liked it it was good yeah i'd probably go with everything everywhere all at once i think that'd be my top choice um uh, I, when i see that i'll get back to you luke with a review okay I mean, but you see bullshit movies. Let's just be honest. Like, if it's not if it's not in English, I mean, literally, you wouldn't even watch a British movie with British accents. It has to be American. So everyone speaking that Americanese. My kids and I were in the theater and we saw the
1: the trailer for Creed Three. And dude, yeah. like Creed Two was not good. And one, you know, was it was decent. One was good. One was good. 1 was good. Dude, Three looks freaking. Amazing. And mm-hmm. I got both kids in fully in on seeing that in IMAX when it comes out, and got my wife involved, which is really hard to do because of the violence and the boxing that's promised in this, but she must just love Michael B. Jordan that much. But um, so now my kids are like, Well, Dad, we should probably watch the first two creeds with you and all the Rockies. And I'm like, You're damn right we are. So this is gonna be a you know, uh, you know, a dad opportunity here, Luke. That's going to be incredible. Just going to be so good. You know,
0: that's a very. It's a, this is a seminal dad moment for you, yeah. right here. Yeah, seminal. it is.
1: I mean, I uh, don't. I right. mean, but do you think? I mean, they're fourteen. Do you think they can get through the slow pace of? Because I, w- I want to start them in Rocky one, right? But is the is the real power move to start with Rocky three because three and four is such action, fast moving, exciting, yeah. amazing bangers. Fourteen year old kid, yeah. And yeah. then look at one and two as prequels almost.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yes.
1: All right. You know, uh, this has been on my mind for a while, but I I got a lot of shit on my mind, Luke, and luckily we have a segment each week where I can share that shit with you. Um, Do I scoured the globe for the uh, good and bad, the ugly, the highs and lows, the in-betweens. From combat sports and beyond. This is combat heavy, though, this week, because there's a lot going on. Um, Here's the shit that's needing to be seen. Have you actually seen it? It's my feces.
0: (laughs) You should introduce this segment every time that way.
1: Oh, that's my shit. That's my PC, shit. Have you had
0: these? The blue diamond? I know we're like not supposed to show for these. The salt and vinegar almonds? No. Are they oh uh,
1: laced with THC, Luke?
0: Or I no? wish. I wish. Yeah. They're delicious.
1: All right. Hey, let's go with UFC fight night in Orlando. We were talking about that ball kick in one FC, Luke, or whatever they call it. How about Natan Levy getting ball kicked by old Gennaro Valdez, dude? Yikes. Took one for the home team right here, Luke. Right in the old, uh, yeah, in the old stick kick. What do we? Can we get that live? What do we got? This here we go.
0: Well, we didn't get it. That's a.
1: What? what this whole highlight doesn't have the actual ball kick?
0: Nope, doesn't have a single bit. Oh, right. We're off, off to an a, auspicious. We're beginning. off to a
1: banging start. All right, a guy kicked a the dick. There you go, Luke. Let's go to Featherway Francis Marshall, who did have hashtag holy hammer potential. Here's what he did to Marcelo Rojo.
0: Yeah, catches him on the clinch break. Yep. Woo. Good lord.
1: And the celebration's fantastic, dude. He's acting like like he just got uh, walked up for the Price is Right. I mean, this is great, right? I love joy, joy, Luke. It's yeah, fa- Argentina
0: it's a- hasn't taken a beating like that since they lost to Saudi Arabia in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, joy, unspeakable joy, Luke. That's all. That's all we're really chasing in life, right? Yep. There Next it is. One. okay. A uh, nice wholesome moment here at the weigh-in as Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, who would lose to Clay Guida and retire by putting his gloves in the cage you see it brought his son up luke for the weigh-in i mean i i didn't get to have a hashtag girl moment like you and kobe but i am a dad of two boys luke this was awesome
0: yeah it's pretty great that's pretty great for both kid and dad it's a great moment right there that's going to live with him forever
1: that's a bring your kid to work, like slam dunk moment there. Like, I, so, Luke, when I was at ESPN uh, and I was uh, hosting the Making the Rounds digital show, I used to bring my kids in when they were like six and seven and they met like Bud Crawford, Abner Morris, took pictures with them, uh, LaBombo Rodriguez. They, dude, that was great. They don't remember or care a, a damn about that.
0: That's the joy of being a dad. You can share the, your life with them, and then they think your life is stupid. So Yeah, yeah, that's pretty
1: much it. All right, let's go to Clay Guida, Luke. Uh, Scott Holtzman, retired, uh, but maybe this was part of it. Slam, da-da, let the boys be boys. Yeah, right?
0: Dude, All old right. Guida has just been sitting dudes on their rear end for 15 yeah, he, years, man. He
1: wants to fight till he's, like, 50 or something.
0: This is crazy, but... Uh,
1: uh, let's go to Brian Barberina, Luke. He somewhat predictably got sent to hell by the legend himself, RDA. But what were your thoughts there's, on the pre-fight There's dance? a
0: Colombian flag in the background. Okay,
1: that's but nice. what about those moves for a pretty fly for a white guy or no? Uh,
0: that's the move I make after I walk out of the Malka commode after shattering it. <laughs> Dude, you did
1: unspeakable damage to that piece of porcelain. Wow. All right, let's not speak about it. Uh, Luke Rda uh, submitted Barbarina on dominant fashion, and dude, he was fired the hell up afterwards. Again, unspeakable joy. Let's watch it. There's a lot of man love going on. I was fired up for him. Can we go full screen on this? Is this show still on? <laughs> Dude, what kind of, hey, look, real (laughs) question here. What kind of statement do you think RDA made for himself here? Like, he was really happy about this fight.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the, I mean, obviously he's happy because he won, but was there anything else? I'll just say this, he was in control the whole time. You know, like, he didn't ever take a whole lot, I mean, any damage hardly at all in this fight and was the better guy throughout the entire thing. I think he just felt good about how clean the victory was.
1: Uh, he called out Conor McGregor as well afterwards and basically made a speech that he's earned the right to get a fight like this and, you know, fills in the gap of having this fight had fallen apart at UFC 196. Do you think Wonder Boy's call out of Conor or RDA's is more realistic for what RDAs. the UFC might do?
0: RDA's. Yeah, for sure. RDA. Okay. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Uh, Luke, unfortunately, Darren, the damage Elkins had his, uh, he took an L and his life expectancy dropped to 42, but he did provide another moment here. Your thoughts?
0: I mean, what else is this guy going to do? You know, like, you look like this, you're built for this and not much else. Um, I mean, I get,
1: I mean, look, his heart, like, you know, the doctor was like, can you, do you want to fight? He's like, yeah, I want to fucking fight. I mean, like, this is what he does, Luke.
0: It's who he is, man. And, you know, not the best fighter on the world, but uh, good Lord, his, his spirit is alive and well.
1: He dropped the decision to Jonathan Pierce, but like in the closing moments, it looked like he was kind of closing in on like a home run punch that might, that may do something crazy dramatic, which he's known for, obviously. But it's never easy watching this guy take a, take a beat in on the way to the dramatic moments, though. That's his lot, but that's hard. But Luke, RIP to a fight we got robbed of. It would have been a gift. Uh, they met in the crowd for this photo op, but Amanda Hebos versus Tracy Cortez, um, it was the gift that never gave Luke, unfortunately. Your thoughts?
0: Did we find out what the medical issue was with Cortez?
1: I don't believe that it's public, but she pulled out for something, and uh, we don't know. So uh, he and her, though, were not unhappy at each other. Hopefully, we'll see that down the road. I don't know.
0: I gotta see that tattoo on Cortez's left arm. It's a little. It's her late brother. He's
1: wearing, or uh, actually, let me not say that. It's a late relative. I'm not sure the exact, but isn't it like okay. a tribute to like, and it's like somebody's wearing a UFC shirt, and I think it's her brother. I don't know. Okay. Um, So you cannot mister Heboss, that, Luke. You can't. All right. Then I won't. All right. Uh, Speaking of gifts, Luke, did you see the gift Wonder Boy gave this fan? Uh, It's either the gift of a hat or it's hepatitis. But either way, everyone looked happy about it, Luke.
0: (laughs) He just signed it with the sweat and blood from his brow. That's gross. Will we ever do that at an MK Live show? Where people's like, I just want,
1: if you could just rub this against your bags, guys, that would mean the world to me. And you're like, well, no. Can you guys teabag
0: this with your nut oil?
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Luke, we mentioned the holy effing hammer potential of Juan Roman Delizze. Uh Here's just a quick shot of that calf slicer into the ground and pound. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: that's just brutal.
1: I mean, this guy is just a scary mother effer. Look at him.
0: That is that is just next-level brutality. I I'm mean, not
1: even going to talk about his tats because I don't want him to think that I'm misinterpreting my... You know, my yeah,
0: you know. it's probably good to stay on his good side there, BC.
1: Maybe we shouldn't talk about anybody he's close with. We should just watch him and enjoy, okay?
0: Exactly. That's a good idea. Keep it professional.
1: Uh, a lot of pro wrestling fans, though, questioning whether that finish looked like he was on his way to becoming the first MMA fighter to successfully pull off John Cena's STF. Luke, your thoughts?
0: Dude, how can I just don't know how Gromman can watch this? I really don't.
1: I have lost the taste for it uh, after being so in it for so long, and you know now I'm like on the outside, like in, is an inevitable position for me. But yeah, right now I can't fight you on that because I'm sort of like, damn, did I really just give like five straight years of my life with that level of intensity? What what did I get from that, Luke? I got a few experiences, but was that time redeemed?
0: Imagine for- all the books you could have read.
1: Yeah, imagine that. Uh, your hammer of the week in terms of a nominee was Yasmin Jorge, right? 23 years old, Luke, improved to
0: 10-0. Is or Huaregi? I don't know.
1: Hadegi. uh We may have to be talking about her at 115. So this is the clip of her getting legitimately rocked by yep. Estela Nunes. But in, uh, give, is it pronounced Nunes? She came to fight. I give her a lot of credit. I
0: believe it. I think she's Brazilian, so I think it is Nunes.
1: Well, then you talked about Yasmin rallying. Here's the next clip. Once she was, once she opened up an opportunity to land bombs, she she did that, Luke, and this fight was over. Um, I know some
0: people thought the stoppage was a little bit early, and maybe it was. I, I'm not suggesting as much, but she was in control, and it was going badly for her opponent. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. All right, Luke. Let's
1: keep this going. Big win for her. Let's go to. Fury Chisora 3 from London. Uh, Tyson Fury dropped some throwback ditty bars. I wanted to get your reaction to this. Yo, check. The sun don't shine forever, but as long as it does, it might as well shine together. Business before pleasure. Who you know do it better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's better than him swinging uh, Sweet Caroline than people tagging me in it on Instagram. (laughs) I like, got a lot of people are like, play this for Luke on tomorrow's show. I was
1: like, no, no,
0: You know what the funny part is about Sweet Caroline? I actually don't think anyone really likes it. I just think everyone does it like as a ritual, you know, because I don't think it's possible to listen to it and be like, wow, this is a great song. But I think it's like, well, everyone, like, you know, because we're all monkeys, everyone's like, well, they're all else doing it, so I'll do it too, you know? So it's, you know.
1: You know, I had that same, I had that same equation to look at when it came to fraternities, Luke. But still was strong enough to stand on my own. You know what I mean? Very, Dude, very... you
0: went to community college for two years and you failed out. You don't know anything about uh, college. Well, I don't know if it was. You fail know nothing out. about college.
1: I was on academic suspension at the time, but I don't know if it was fail <laughs> out, Luke. Okay. Uh, real recognized real in London when Gordon Ramsay from Kitchen Nightmares showed up to this nightmare of a fight. Your thoughts?
0: I wish he would have told him the truth like he was about like a chef who fucked up the, <laughs> you know, the sous vide fucking chicken or whatever.
1: Burn the menu. Yeah, let's just, yeah, that's uh, that would have been nice. Uh, shitty takedown defense from Derek Chisora, among other follies on this night. He did show a ton of heart, but this couldn't have felt good once, once Fury went for the uh, double leg. Yeah, there we go. Okay, that's it.
0: I mean, that's, that, that's you and me after a gummy full or a tummy full of Delta eights just trying to yeah. walk down the stairs.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, What you know, he could have run the pipe a little though, Luke, right? No, that's just that's just OK. Um, we mentioned that there was a weird Fury Usyk face off. I'm not going to play the audio, but it was Tyson yelling gibberish insults. But look at the intensity on Usyk. Luke, this was kind of clownish, but did it get you fired up at all for the fight?
0: A little, yeah, a little. It did. I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't. Yeah, look at this crazy man. You but a little but bit. The, dude, Fury was
1: weird on the mic, though, right? It was kind of just like loud and obnoxious rather than he's a, like he's, he's only, c- he's clever. Like his shtick against Deontay Wilder was always pretty clever. This just feels like recycled Fury, like, oh, you're a loser. You're, you're, you know, all right.
0: You're a boom. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, I want to show you a second stare down from, uh, boxing over the weekend. Arthur Betterbeev went to promote his January 28th title defense against Anthony Yard of his three light heavyweight titles. Dude, look at that. He's not messing around, dude.
0: The fucking hammer. 100% finishing rate in boxing among uh, champions, the only one. Yo,
1: even on that pull away, he still kept that same energy, Luke. Mm-hmm. Post pullout, you know? I mean, well. Yeah, well yeah. Not you and me. We no. <laughs> no, that's true. He, yeah, you got to give him credit for that. Uh, on the undercard of the Tyson Fury bout, uh, Daniel Dubois came in as a big favorite against Kevin Lorena. Dude, round one, he took an overhand left, got knocked down. He would go down two more times due to still being wobbled from. From this punch, and also I think he turned his ankle. Um, this looked like he was headed to a disastrous performance, but then Kevin Lorena stopped throwing punches, and then he kind of stopped trying. And in round three, all Dubois found his way back. But this was a weird fight. It was exciting yeah. as, as hell, but it was weird.
0: Hard to say if it's like anything that could follow him in the future. But when he started, there you go. When he started dealing, it was it was over.
1: So here's what's weird. That ref allowed Dubois, like, all day in round one through three knockdowns, which I think for WBA rule, and this was for a WBA secondary title, I think under the WBA, it's got to be a three knockdown rule. So he survived those three knockdowns and was given all life to do it. Dude, this is a quick stoppage, and it came after the bell in round three. So the referee would have been justified in letting it go for multiple reasons. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that he wasn't hurt by this uppercut,
0: but that was a quick stoppage. It was quick, but in the end, I... I still think the right guy won. I'll put it that way.
1: All right. Uh, let's go to the MMA regional scene for the spinny shit of the week. Damn.
0: Dude, you know someone's about to take just an unbelievable oh. L when it comes from the regional scene.
1: And somebody's doing like the, like the you know, yeah. What, I mean, what is and that? He
0: did, the, he did the testifying in church bit where his hands go up. Wow, Oof. look at that. Look at I that. feel
1: like we've played this video before. Maybe this just happens a lot in the regionals. But, hey, let's go to Phoenix... Estrada Chocolatito uh, trays, toi.
0: I mean, could these motherfuckers be tres. shorter?
1: So, Luke, these were guys that were on the undercard, but look at the height difference between six foot seven Dude, promoter are they Eddie Hirsch
0: or horse jockeys.
1: Exactly, they're Bach. Bo- I mean, look, this whole card was a showcase of the lower weight divisions for the most part, but. I mean, this is like Muggsy Bogues and Manute Bowl being teammates, right? This is, what are we doing Yeah, here? I
0: mean, it's nice of the lollipop guild to send two of their members.
1: So, Luke, as much as the size difference is the, you know, a costing part of this photo, what's this trend for the double-breasted suit? I see Ariel bringing it out. I got to put this under bow ties as being like, this is a trend I'm just not going to follow. It's lame I think as shit. you can
0: get away with it if you're thin enough, um, but... Yeah, nobody wants to be a fat guy in a double-breasted suit. That's a good point. Or if you have moobs, avoid it. But, like, yeah. Eddie
1: Hearn has normally got the waistcoat, you know, that vest on the inside. Like, that's his go-to. Yeah. I yeah, would I like say he's fairly hip. This looks lame as shit. Yo, Ariel, stop doing that shit. Right?
0: You've mentioned his name, like, ten times today.
1: Hawani? You no, know? the other times were, you know, like, att- attribution. Uh, this okay. is this is more like a call-out. Like, get uh, your shit okay. together, okay? Okay. Uh, let's go over to uh, uh, just a little tease here of how perfect Estrada and Chocolatito were. Luke, did you echo me? That was a pretty damn good action fight, or were you not entertained? Uh, well, yeah,
0: once it got going, yes.
1: All right. Uh, man, you were salty about this card coming in and out. I mean, this is, you know, an arguably racist hand chop away from being the Risen incident all
0: over again. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh and listen, you got to love old Roman Gonzalez there with Cristo te amo written on his trunk. That's huh? what,
1: yo, what that's what what is that direct translation so the people know, Luke? Uh, Christ, I love you. Exactly. I love that man chocolate. Too. Yo, he is a gentleman. I give him a lot of credit. I'm I mean, he's just he's my hero. Uh, didn't have a hero performance. Here's his uh, question from Chris Mannix after the fight of whether he wants a fourth. Would you like to do a fourth fight with Juan Francisco Estrada?
0: Well, as long as they pay well, of course. <laughs> You're damn right, Luke. Chocolatito knows what's up. Yeah, you fuckers pay me; we can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'll fight them. I'll fight them for the rest of my career. Just keep,
1: keep. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Icon FC six from Kissimmee, Florida, made a lot of headlines this weekend. Uh, this is Jorge Masvidal's brand, and here was the weigh-in.
0: It's a very Florida weigh-in.
1: <laughs> it's like Russian MMA type weigh-in. I was weighing, gonna right? say,
0: dude, what's the difference between Florida uh, MMA and Russian MMA, other than the languages being spoke? And the answer is COVID. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> it's, it's about <laughs> that, <this. laughs>
1: yeah, that outlaw spirit abides in there. So Jorge had to come out and give a cut a promo about you know you're not gonna make the money, get paid. I want you to get paid. Well, Joe the party Penafiel Penefiel? Am I pronouncing that right? He came out there and got a victory. And look, he caught a promo that was so... You gotta hear this.
0: I live, eat, and die Florida. Viva Ecuador! Viva todos mis Latinos! All my white people in the house too! Let's fucking go, America, baby! (laughs)
1: <laughs> luke <laughs> if they can change we can change right yeah that's this shout out to my wife to my hongies it's like he just left
0: out all the Asians and all the black people <laughs> just you know it's like latinos and whites that's that's his wheelhouse
1: that's joe the party luke he was rep, he was rep in florida hard
0: right there oh yeah, yes i see that i see that
1: uh, let's go to one on Amazon 5 from the Philippines. Luke, the Cade Ruatolo show broke out in his lightweight grappling title defense. Here is some clowning that he put on Matthias Gabriel. Mateus. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same.
0: So he man. goes for reverse De La Hiva,
1: And he's just, I mean, what's that hand behind your back stuff? Is that like Roy Jones trying
0: to? Yeah, because the idea is once he goes up for reverse De La Hiva, he needs to peel it with his hands. He doesn't really do it. And then just kind of just stands there and lets him have it. He's basically letting him have the entry to a guard is what's happening here.
1: Well, Luke, you know, I couldn't give a shit about these grappling matches, but this highlight of him rolling into a wild heel hook attempt kind of won me over. Can we watch this?
0: Oh, yeah, dude. He's just out here. These Ruotolo brothers are different, man. Are they
1: like and one? Are they the and one of
0: uh, grappling? Yeah, but imagine if like the guys got off the and one court and then won like an NBA championship by sweeping the competition. Like Ray for Alston.
1: Rafe Ralston won a championship as a starting point guard, right? Right, didn't he? Or, or, or no, he was on the Heat, right?
0: I don't, I don't remember.
1: I don't. Skip to my Lou. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, also, Cade opened the fight with this move. I look, I don't like this shit at all, but this is exciting. Watch the, watch this.
0: Yeah, this is a brilliant takedown. He, uh, oh, God, Lord, dude, that's like big boss man or some shit right there. He reaches for the takedown on the inside with his hand palm down to get the pull. And if you notice, he brings him closer to him with the pull and it causes Mateus Gabriel to like upright his posture. So he pulls him closer and then does the body lock entry. That is, uh, that is nice. That is that, 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 that dude is skilled.
1: Yeah. More pictures from one over the weekend. Here's Vitaly Milliken, uh, He's your new light heavyweight champion. He's already the interim heavyweight champion, and there is the punch heard round the world. There were a lot of punches to set that up, but dude, that cross, that right cross is just from hell.
0: Oh he man, is, his hand speed and power, and just his I, god, his savagery is. Oof. Here's He's the reverse angle.
1: Oh god, one one social team hooking us up with the reverse angle of it as well. Uh, it's just as brutal on this side, Luke.
0: Yeah, poor Deritter got backed up, and oh, good Lord. I mean, that that I, probably was a shitty flight home to the Netherlands. Damn, tell and you. I'm
1: a big Deritter fan, too. I mean, he's still the champ, you know, at middleweight, and he's got to answer for this, but that was tough to watch, dude. Yeah, that was it was one-way traffic, bro. There wasn't anything good about it for him. And here was this absolute hammer, Malekin, celebrating with the boss, Chatri Sid Tong. He ran right out of the cage after winning, and they made sweet love together. This was very, you know, is this encouraging, Luke? This is this is wholesome. They went
0: to they went tip to tip, BC. It yeah, a, it was a wonderful is, moment of intimacy.
1: And there's his wife and his family was all over. I mean, it was a, it was a big moment, dude. So I'm, I was happy for him. Um, let's hear some audio here. So, do you know UFC alum Jared, the Monkey God, Luke? Yes. Yeah. Um, he won the championship here and made a big call out. Let's look at what what happened over the weekend. Demetrius Johnson, I'm. That's like a dream come true for me. So, uh Demetrius, I have the utmost respect for you. You're the best ever. I would love to share the circle with you. Uh, Luke, does that move you at all? Jared Brooks, new one champion, calling out the mouse himself, Demetrius Johnson. If the weight makes sense for him, yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Um, some guy named Superleck also did this really cool Matrix move that uh, you know, I'd be. I'd be crazy if I didn't add a question. You know? Both Inside.
0: of these guys uh, failed to make weight, so the tournament. Yeah, had but look no at winner. that. That's just some. That's. BC, have you ever seen The Raid? No, no. Oh my god, dude! Is
1: Keanu in that one too.
0: No, 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 dude. John, let me, this is going to be a hot take, and people are going to hate this. Yeah. The John and I love John Wick movies. I love John Wick movies. John Wick, especially the first one, is really good. But after that, let me just tell you, the John Wick movies are a pimple on the ass of The Raid. The Raid and The Raid 2 are far better. Who made The Raid?
1: Uh, Kurosawa, Luke? Who made The Damn Raid? No, no, no. The
0: Raid was made, like, recently. Uh, It's not old at all. All Uh, But you got to see it. It's fucking incredible.
1: Maybe I'll do it for MK homework, just to please you. Um, so that's super leck. And then we had Rugrug, Umar Kane. No pictures from his decision win, but here was his walkout. Are you uh, entertained or intimidated here? A little both. Yeah, a little both. I mean that guy is a and large- he, and you human. were probably
0: sexually aroused, I'm guessing.
1: I you know, I don't think that's necessary to make accusations like that, but he is a large and entertaining uh fighter to watch. So shout he out to Rugrug. Uh your best fight of the week, though, didn't come from the one cage. It came from this Planet Fitness. Look, I thought this was a no-judgment zone. Uh-oh! Someone
0: ring the lunk alarm. Two self paws, huh?
1: Oh, oh! Here comes a hammer. No, no, are switching
0: stances. These two oh, guys are. Oh yeah, that's are, old school. Yeah. Dude, look, and not neither of them looks like they work out. By the way.
1: Yo, nobody's still. Some people are still lifting. They're like, yeah, this happens all the time. Wouldn't? Isn't this an event? I mean, some. No cell phones. Yeah, but either? like,
0: how, oh shit! He got hit with a big one. Yo, the fat guy with the red on is is your king.
1: Yo, fat gym fights with guys in red shirts rule. Yeah. Yo, I don't think this guy's gonna stay down though. Look at this. Oh, oh, oh what's up now? Still going. Oh, yo, shit. Re- I
0: told you to re rack those weights. Yeah. Oh shit, yo, he's got you the put the du- Yeah, yo, you put the dumbbell back while the forty goes on the forty. Asshole. Yo, well, I'm gonna make you 20. eat
1: this plum. You know what I mean? More By time. I both ass. wearing
0: the worst shoes you can wear to work out. <laughs> Just want to point that out.
1: Yo, one guy lost a shoe. This is is a good workout, actually, right?
0: This is more than they've done lifting weights, I can tell you that. (laughs) Look at these fucking losers.
1: I mean, at least we didn't get ass crack involved. Let me just explain something to
0: you. If you are fighting in a gym like this, there's no way you're winning at life. I just want to point that out. Like, this means, this is like, international signal for i'm a fucking loser who lives oh you don't know
1: he could have he could have insulted his mom or something you don't know yeah i mean look
0: maybe the guy in the red if you fight and let me say one more time look at the fat guy in the back if you fight in a gym like this there's no chance you're winning at life zero percent wow
1: god good lord uh if we can find out these gentlemen i'd love to get them on the show if we can get their information and and find out if this was you know i i have to believe this was over a, a a woman
0: luke all right, BC, I got to get downtown. So we got to move this along. Look,
1: I could do this all day, okay? Right, uh, I look, can't. I literally wanna, cannot. All right, we only have 2 left. Do you want to hear the yeah. most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> um, like the Umar Kane video. Are you aroused by that? <laughs>
0: You know, I don't know if this is racist for you to put this in here, so I don't, why don't think you just re- karate chop the air again, BC. I mean, <laughs> come
1: on, that's there's nothing racist involved, Luke. It was a uh, very loud sound. That's so, that's
0: that's the way you lick your teeth when you're at Cumberland Farms, by the way. That's not fair. That's not fair at all.
1: Uh, Luke, finally let's all get high on a new kind of ice with the snowman
0: bong. <laughs> okay. Before you even ask me, would I do this? You know what the answer is, motherfucker. And it's an unequivocal yes. You could just leave me in the snow to die after this. It's okay. Yes, yes.
1: I mean, I, I always wonder how people can live in Alaska, Luke. You know, by the way, you know Antoine? You know, six foot eight Antoine? Mm hmm. He's doing a seasonal job in uh, Colorado working on the ski lifts, Luke. But he's, you know, and and but he he there, still he
0: won't show up to that job sober one day well, not probably one not. day
1: probably not but uh you know if if he showed you this uh, on his property in alaska would you would you consider moving there?
0: to alaska no i'd yeah. just rather move off earth than before it moves to alaska i mean well, there's no so point you... in like well why would you live in alaska unless you had to freedom freedom from what i'm gonna
1: guess the law or a woman that you know an abusive one i don't know Luke. yeah i mean
0: Fre- freedom from a jury summons yeah I'm good. <laughs>
1: Thanks. i mean i bet you yeah yeah it's a, it's it there we go look i hope this we hope we survive the bullet of another have you seen this shit but there's my
0: shit for the week um yeah not a great batch not a great batch if i can be honest with you that's a solid c c plus maybe you know look good on
1: paper but
0: you don't have enough people falling off skateboards or shit like that. you know.
1: Yeah, you know, I went heavy on the weekend. I was, you know, it's a big weekend for highlights and, and moments and stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to keep the fan educated of what's going on around the world.
0: So. Claro que sí. Si. All right. Um, BC, that is it for us right now. I want to remind folks, Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you're free to bounce. That's one thing you can do. Second of all, what I would say is if you want to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. That's going to be the email for Wednesday's fan subs and Friday's dead wrong. Of course, as well, we have the store, morningcombat.store, for all of the good deals. Uh, BC, any final thoughts before I get out of here? i got to go to the Gervonta Davis presser.
1: Yeah, have fun there. That should be awesome. Uh, previewing the January 7th Showtime pay-per-view bout against Hector Luis Garcia. Uh, fa- there's all of our socials below. My final thoughts are, um, thank you for watching this episode and, you know, for being, for being... Not everybody has to be as cool as Jay Paquette and make us metal signs, but... um Watch our pregame preview. By the way, Jay Paquette makes a cameo on the on the intro to our pregame preview with Chuck Mendenhall previewing UFC two whatever it is. That thing is up and live. You're going to enjoy it a lot. And uh, I'm getting accused of wiggling my toe my toes, Luke, in those hot dog socks in like an OnlyFans style way. And I don't mm-hmm. even know what that means. So no, you know, is somebody is somebody you know? Did okay. I misinterpret end somebody's it there. advances end again? It there. You know, you know, So no, Tommy, I, we're not that close as friends. You know, I mean, all I'm right. Just...
0: <laughs> On that note, let's get out of here. Thanks to everyone who watched. Don't forget, cut, we have yes. the UFC 282 pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall and terrible pronunciations of fighters' names from other countries, but it's good analysis just the same. So for Malka, Showtime, Brian Campbell, and the whole crew, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks for watching, MK. See you next time. May all your gains be loyal.